Jesus, I am overjoyed to meet you face to face. You've been getting quite a name all around the place. Healing cripples, cute trick. Raising from the dead, ooh. Oh, and now I understand your God. Well, at least that's what you said. So you are the Christ, you're the great Jesus Christ. Prove to me that you're divine. Change my water into wine. That's all you need to do, and I know it's all true. that makes this the program for today's thinking individual. Why, hello, it is uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this is the month of September in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and sanctified studios of AM970 The Talker. This is my friends, the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to uh, get on board, it is 503 503- 733 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, ruminations, observations, ponderings, musings, limericks, whatever you might have. 503-733-2970. You can also uh, email me like it's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T. At uh, 9.70.am, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along the observations about... I'm just going to cut it short today. About anything. There you go. Oh, so we had a little uh, little Jesus Christ Superstar just there. That's Herod's song. Actually, one of my favorite songs from Jesus Christ Superstar. And that uh, that is doubly great right there because that was Alice Cooper singing it. Uh, so we are going to be giving away today a pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar when it comes to the Schnitzer. December 2nd and 3rd tickets on sale today, my friends. Today, today, today. That is today, the 19th. At the uh, PCPA box office or at Ticketmaster.com. Ticketmaster.com. Jesus Christ Superstar coming here in December, uh, the month in which our Lord was born. We'll also be announcing today's Glorious Bastard of the Week. I actually have it here yesterday. I can get to it. Uh, we'll announce it today. The uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week also gets to go see Jesus Christ Superstar at the Schnitzer. So there you go. It's all very exciting. I didn't realize that it would sound that cool. It's really cool. I mean, parts of it are sort of... How do you know? But here's the thing: is I haven't seen Jesus Christ Superstar except I mean I never saw it on the stage, and I've really only seen the movie, which came out in the 70s. And I have the uh, you know I have the vinyl at home, which I think I think the vinyl at home is actually the soundtrack to the film. I don't know that it's the soundtrack to the stage play, because it's like West Side Story. How there's two different 
There's two different soundtracks you could get to West Side Story. One is the original Broadway cast recording, which is okay. But I think maybe because I'm a child of celluloid, uh, I think that, and also cellulite, I think that I prefer the West Side Story, the soundtrack to the film, because it's, it's sort of more in line with what I grew up watching. Anyway, that being said, it's pretty righteous. So you should go see Jesus Christ Superstar. Giving away tickets uh, later on today. We'll be playing your choice, Bible trivia and or musical trivia. There you go. Either musical trivia. What is that sound? I don't know. That There it is again. There's something. There's a little here, squeaking sound. Is there a cricket in the studio? Maybe it's the squirrel. Uh, it's entirely possible. The squirrel is back. What? The squirrel is back. Yeah, I suppose. Well, and the squirrel's never really gone. I think that here's the deal. I think that the squirrels draw some kind of... They do like a Shirley Jackson's The Lottery thing, and they all pass out little tiny pieces of paper, and then one of them gets the paper with a dot on it, and he's got to be sacrificed to the great, you know, to, to the great gods that walk on two feet or whatever. Maybe this is like a... You know what it is? Maybe this is like a Joe versus the volcano thing, except down here is the volcano, and we're the gods, and then they're like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. It's exactly like that. All right. Move on now. Uh, it is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, the finest city on God's green creation, the fresh breast of the new world. Uh, you know, it's a thing. Here's what's coming up later on today. We will uh, have uh, Bob Costantini joining us from the Hill today. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. He's going to be talking about the Wall Street jitters, as they say, but, but also they're tearing down Yankee Stadium. I think this is the last game they're playing inside. I think it's tonight. Maybe it's already happened. I mean, everything in New York seems to start at like 4 in the morning, West Coast time, because we don't matter. So I think it, 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 that I may be starting in the afternoon or whatever, but I think there's a final game there, and I'm going to tear down the Yankee Stadium, and Steve's going to try to steal something for me. So we'll talk to him about that. Uh, Aaron Duran will join us from geekinthecity.com and uh, filmfeverradio.com and rename42nd.org and his other 9 million sites with which he relentlessly self-promotes, as it should be. So we'll have Aaron Duran in the studio later on. He's going to do his top five teenage moping songs. Aaron Duran, top five songs to which Aaron Duran, a wee geek, moped oh boy. as a youth. This is going to be good. Well, here's the thing. is that this The thing about the top five moping songs, because earlier in the week, Sarah did her top five teenage lovelorn, angst-ridden mope songs. Songs in which to get your get your sad on, and then I did mine two days ago, yesterday, two days ago, and now Paddock wants uh, Paddock's. I think is going to do his on Tuesday. Chris Paddock wants to do his, and I think uh, it's kind of something you want to get out of your head. It's fun to share that. Well, it's a little exorcism, mm -hmm. is what it is. Tim Riley, would you be uh, would you care to share your top five teenage moping songs? Sure, I'd love to. Really? Yeah. I was afraid to ask for fear that you would turn me down. No, I I, I volunteer to do so. All right. When, when you want me to do them. I hope you don't take this personally, Tim, when I say that I'm often afraid just to ask you anything for fear that you'll say no, and then I'll be crushed. And I'll be rejected. When huh? did I say no? You never do, Tim. Tim? What, what, what was the last no? Tim's just a guy who can't say no. Uh, well, because the last no was, I think, probably never, but that's because I, I try to ask almost never. For fear of being rejected. Go ahead and ask. Sometimes the answer is yes, Tim. As it just was. Ne mm -hmm. Next week, Tim, would you, would you, would you like to do your top five teenage mope songs? Absolutely. <laughs> That's so cool. All right. Maybe next Wednesday. Sure. Excellent. All right. Uh, Monday we're going to do a uh, movie theme thing. Tuesday, Chris Paddock will do his teenage mope songs. Wednesday, Tim Riley, uh, the top five songs uh, to which he was. I just sullen. picture Tim moping. I can only picture you moping to XTC. That's it. And the list doesn't go beyond that. It's like a list of one. The top one list. That's it. There have been times when I have been as happy as I could have been. <laughs> really? Yes. Were there times when maybe you had a bleak view of humanity or disliked other people? Perhaps so. I mean, I'm trying to conjure up an image know, of Tim those, Riley those not are, liking people. Those but... are fleeting moments. <laughs> <laughs>
Because I'm someone who loves people. You're a people person. You are a people person. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you? I'm not going to say who this is. There's somebody in this building. Um, I'll be vague about this. There's somebody in this building that if you ever turn in a resume, uh, if you ever go into an interview, if you ever apply for any kind of a gig, and you say, no, 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 I'm a people person. Resume, trashed. Literally in the trash. I know who that is. I think we lie and say that we keep a copy of it, at, you know, in a file or something because we're supposed to. No, nah, it really goes into the shredder. I'm a people person. <laughs> right through. Anyway, I love people. Well done. That was creepy. It's a cookbook! Uh, anyway, uh, top five uh, Aaron Duran Mope songs later on today. And we will, and I refined yesterday's list. So we're going we're gonna to attempt the impossible. Sword from the Stone time today. We're going to do Aaron's list in the 2 o'clock hour, and today in the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to try to get the yesterday's spelling list, no. which I refined. Which I refined, and I fixed, and I did track down those couple of songs that I didn't have. So, I think it's... I feel okay about it. I feel cautiously optimistic about today's top five, which is the top five songs that spell that's a things. Lot of, that's, that's a big statement. I know. I'm just saying, I, I feel... Look, it's not going to be perfect, but as Pele once said, no game is ever perfect. So, uh, so we'll try to get to that. Uh, Bushwatch coming up today. Uh, Jock Watch coming up today. Uh, Penis Watch coming up today, which is, and it's really sort of off-putting. I mean, way more so than they normally are. And I mean, often they contain, like, chainsaws. But this is, this is a, this is a penis of a different, you know, the penis is on the other foot with this story. Or whatever. Whatever that phrase is. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm retarded. Here's Tim Riley working in the following stories for your edification today. New bike corrals replace parking spaces in downtown Portland today. A Gresham teen is groped by a man on a bike. A man dresses in a Jake's famous crawfish restaurant employee, a uniform, and robs the eatery at gunpoint this morning. Sherwood police are told to shoot coyotes scaring the townspeople. A massive $500 billion bailout is planned for the financial market, and this announcement alone makes stocks oh. soar. That it? Yep. I mean, I know we've got a lot to chew off today, so, you know. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, so we were talking about this during the break. You saw Larry King last night, did you I did. not? Susie wow. Orman. Susie Orman, who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Man, I did. she's a handsome woman. I know that she's uh, she's on a different team than I am, but, but she really is. Uh, I would say this. Here's the thing about Susie Orman, and I realize that there's really nothing I could do. There's no way in which I could make myself attractive to Susie Orman, but if I, if I could, I would. I'd, volunteer, I'd be Susie Orman's kept man. Not because she's necessarily all that sexy. I mean, she is sort of a... She's sort of, I guess, aesthetically pleasing in kind of a butch sort of way. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a... I know this sounds... This is difficult to uh, difficult to fathom, but perhaps maybe a maybe a less feminine Ellen. Uh, but here's the thing about Susie Orman. You know she's got like $500 billion in the bank. And I'm not going to pretend to be... to be. I can be bought. I have a price. There's people, I have my integrity and my principles. I have no... I mean, I have integrity and principles, but they can be purchased, I mean, with, probably for less than you might imagine. Yes. So, Susie Orman rings me. Rick, I want you to be my kept man. That's fine. Just, you know, that's... Uh, I'm there. <laughs> I, uh, there's something hot about a woman who has like $100 million in, you know, T-bills somewhere. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. And she wears the same earrings every single pair. day. She only has one pair of earrings. And you know why? It's because that way when some jackass calls up and says, Hey, uh, Susie, am I approved to buy a pair of shoes for $740? By the way, I'm on unemployment and I have to sell my plasma to eat. And what she always does is she takes her pen and she jabs it up in her earring. We're talking about television financial advisor Susie Orman. She jabs a pen up at her earrings and she goes, Ted, do you see these earrings? Did you see these earrings yesterday? Did you see these earrings last week? How about last year, Ted? You know, I only have one pair of earrings. You know why? Because they were a good deal and they look good. I don't need to buy new earrings. You don't need to buy any shoes. You are denied. Oh, done. In the box. 
So that's that's the premise of her show. Like people call and ask if they can buy stuff. But that's yeah. not the only thing well, she part does. Of it, but but that's, she gives financial advice. That's her hook, though. That's the thing. You know, that is her. You know, and everybody's got their hook. Uh, you know, like uh, you know, like we do the top five, or uh, Dennis Miller on his HBO show did the rant. Like us, you know, like us one one. Everybody's kind of got their hook. Her hook is the uh, approved or denied. You call up her show. And, uh, uh, Susie. Um, I don't have any money, and I'm um, I'm currently living um, in a clapboard house uh, in a drainage ditch. But I saw these Jimmy Choo shoes, and they're really really cute. And I think if I pay like maybe ten dollars a month, and and you watch it for the satisfaction of just seeing her smack down some idiot that wants to buy something they can't possibly afford, it's deeply gratifying. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, we'll talk a little bit about last night's Larry King because it was terrifying and hilarious. Uh, we'll get these calls here in a second. Someone is, uh, I think someone's going to clarify the West Side Story thing. And uh, other calls as well. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hello. I'm doing well. Excellent. I'm excited for Pig Fest. Are you really, truly excited I for Pig really, Fest? I really, truly am excited. So, um, I ride my bike, you know, um, to work every day. And I ride by this place on 11th and Madison. And yesterday when I was riding, um, I ride by this barbecue shop. Right. And there's this giant pig barbecue out there every day. And I was driving by yesterday. I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'm like, yeah. the, the giant pig barbecue. What could they possibly need that for? Um, no, because it's like a giant pink barbecue like, right. painted and designed like a pig. And then uh, I walk, and, you know, I pull up my bike today and look, and it's in our back parking yes, lot. Yes, it is. <laughs> a giant pink pig there barbecue. There is a giant Traeger grill in the, back, in the back parking lot shaped like a huge pink metal pig. With eyelashes and everything. and It was just so random because I noticed that it was gone and then it just happens to be in our back parking yeah, lot. Yeah, I know. It was very random. So, so yeah, so if anybody who, and I, they're, I guess they're cooking up on the sidewalk um, because I was asking myself and I think everybody was sort of asking where the hell they're going to find space to have, I mean, I don't know how many people work at CBS Radio Portland because we're in three different buildings, mm -hmm. but I mean, for those who maybe don't know what we're talking about. So they're doing this sort of company picnic barbecue roast thing in the back parking lot here at our at our you know at the building where we're at there's three different buildings one on third one on jefferson one on first and so they're doing it here in our back lot but our back parking lot is like our back parking lot is like some automotive calcutta i mean it's just overflowing brian said he's gonna have to, he's gonna make everybody move their cars really to where i mean i'm not trying to i'm not trying to diss on brian jones lest i get him in the studio again yelling at me about something but there's really nowhere to, nowhere to move him to I guess there's a parking lot across the street. There's a parking lot across the street. That's where what I asked him. Like, are people going to be drinking and smoking between the cars? Like, what's going on? That's what I want. Is I want a bunch of people liquored up with a with the barbecue right next to my car. And but try to make sure that you're holding something sharp and you know they stab you while you're doing it too. Try to make sure that you're holding a barbecue fork and drunk and carrying a, you know, something that's uh, you know staining while you're standing next to my car. Anyway, so they're, so they're doing the pig fest this afternoon, and there's everybody from this building, uh, presumably everybody from the kink building. Presumably everybody from the Third Avenue building all coming over to our back parking lot. So it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, it's going to be a little bit of an experience. So that's uh, so that's happening this afternoon. Uh, all right, let's get some calls. Then we'll talk uh, a little bit about some uh, stuff that was on television last night. We'll take a break here in a bit. We'll come back. We'll talk to Bob Costantini. Uh, hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. You are the first caller of the day on the Rick Emerson Show. Everything is on your narrow shoulders, like an inverted pyramid. The rest of the day's program, all. Depends on you. Don't suck. So, I'm on it. All right, I go. I was at uh, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing yesterday. God bless you. Enjoying a wonderful Vigor Bezo. Thank you. Looking at the As Read on Rick em or As Heard on the Rick Emerson Show table, um, picking up my copy of World War Z. Thank you. See, there you go. That's one, two, three, four. Bam. Solid points in a row. Okay. So, on the other side of that table... There was, I don't know if you've been in there recently enough to see this. It may have just been very recently put out. A couple weeks it's back. got this great little uh, 
good night bush uh, fairy tale on the other side of your table that is really, really hilarious. That's definitely worth picking up. As well as a book that reminded me of Tim. It was also a little fairy tale book called Snark Inc. Um, that was very, very entertaining. So is the Good Night uh, Bush thing like a sort of pseudo fairy tale bedtime story thing? Yes. Is basically. it like Good Night Gorilla or whatever that book is? Um, it basically has. It'll say like Good Night. Um, my lovely pets, you know, they'll make fun of, like, Fox News. They've got a picture right. of an evil-looking fox with uh-huh. white collar. Um, and the one page says, good night, like, principles and integrity, and there's just no picture. That, that, is, um, that is funny. Can I just say this? Here's the thing about the thing about George W. Bush. We've been talking so much about the economy this week and how everything's sort of in the dumper, and we're all hosed, and we're shot to hell, and cancer and garbage disposals, and bankruptcy are going to come get us all. I was thinking about this last night, actually. Do you? I can't even imagine how much money right now is made on hating George W. Bush. I mean, the hating George W. Bush industry, that's got to be a big chunk of the American economy, just like the hating Bill Clinton thing was. I mean, and I did talk radio all through the Clinton years. And let me tell you, there's like one out of every four books you would see anywhere, one out of every four calendars, one out of every four magazines you would see was somehow predicated on hating the Clintons. So it is now with George W. Bush. Once that guy's gone... It's going to be a whole lot of people with nothing to do. There's people whose sole industry has been sitting around and bitching about W. And they're going to be gone. We have to find, we have to find somebody new to hate. So I, well, I, I would say that as we get... Hello? I would, hello? Say that as we, I would say that as we get closer to January, we need to start finding a new object of our scorn and derision so we can make that person a cottage industry so that the economy doesn't go further down. Well, I think, I think if you see Obama get uh, elected, you'll see a whole generation of... Folks like Ann Coulter, who make a living out of hating Democrats, um, just explode uh, yeah. in the forefront. I, I suspect uh, Bill O'Reilly will start making a great deal more money. I suppose, but I mean, he doesn't really seem. Uh, Obama doesn't seem hateable in the same way Bill Clinton did. You know what I mean? Don't get me I wrong. Think I mean, the I got Republicans no... are capable of hating anybody if they put their. Well, money. that's probably true. That really is. They uh, no, they have a solid plus five in hate. All right. Thank you, Thanks, sir. Rick. All right. Yep. There you go. Wonderful. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. This is George. Uh, Julie Jobshadow's dad. Hello, sir. I just want to let you know about your uh, JC Superstar album. Yes. If it's blue with some, like, star-looking things on it, it's the movie soundtrack. If it's kind of like a brownish It's greenish, brown with gold. Yeah, that's the original play, and it's like a two-album with... Yeah, no, it's... had a lyrics book inside. Yeah, no, it's a double album set. Mine doesn't have the lyrics book because I bought it used for a dollar. Yeah. But I use for a dollar at the Goodwill, where it's always right between two things. Frampton Comes Alive and that Sean Cassidy record that has the Do Ron Ron on it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, you have a good day. Thank you. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, fantabulous. And I'm still waiting. To, I don't want to say anything yet. I'm still waiting to hear back on... It is a possibility that we're going to be doing something else that's very exciting. Today? Oh. Well, we'll be announcing it today. We'll be doing it next week. Hmm. I want to say it yet. I'm... Uh, I see. If I say it, I'm going to curse myself. So today we're giving away Jesus Christ Superstar tickets, uh, and I think Pirate Fest tickets as well. Uh, we're also going to announce the Glorious Bastard of the Week. There is a possibility that next week uh, we'll be giving away something else that's that's pretty pretty damn pretty damn fine. But I want to wait. I'm not going to tease again. I'll, I'll wait. Um, so just a couple brief thoughts. One, uh, I'm wearing what I always referred to as a button-down shirt, and a listener took time to correct me about this. He sent me an email, and he actually suggested that I not read it on the air because I think he wanted to. Uh, he felt like he might be embarrassing me if he pointed it out. But I have no problem with this. So apparently, a button-down shirt is not actually a shirt that is held together down the front with buttons. I always said button-down shirt to denote that I'm wearing like a grown-up shirt, not a T-shirt. Apparently, a button-down shirt is actually specifically a 
shirt in which the collar is held down by small but uh, you know by small buttons up by the neck. It's not buttons on the front. No, he claims that a button-down shirt means that you have small buttons at the top holding the collar in place, and that this would be, I guess, if anything, a button-up shirt, perhaps not a button-down shirt. So there you go, duly noted. Um, so Larry King last night. So I went home last night, and I, I was in a fine mood when I left here. I don't know. There's somewhere between somewhere between like 301 because I was in a fine mood when I got off the air. Somewhere between 301 and like I don't know around seven or whenever it was when I got home, I just I just sort of devolved into just being a just being a cranky bastard. And it's because I was looking, you know, I was looking for moose burgers because that was going to be our contribution to the pig fest. I went to three different places, all of whom claimed to carry moose, all of them out of moose. So I blamed Sarah Palin for this. I mean, she brought it to national prominence in such a way that I was unable to buy it. So I wasn't able to do that. Tried to do a couple other errands and tasks last night, and I was just thwarted. Do you ever have one of those days where you're just trying to get you're trying to get tasks done, but it's like it's like your hands are made out of Teflon, and you just can't get anything done. And you keep skipping ahead in your day planner. Maybe I'll do the next task. And then, like, you can't get that one done either. And so at the end of the day, you just have to sadly look at your, your day planner and shake your head with sorrow and close it and say, I'll, I'll try again tomorrow. So I got home, just feeling a little, little cranky about everything. I can sit down. What do I immediately see? There's Larry King on television. Uh, Larry King, you are all going to die. Joining me today is Susie Orman. And so Susie Orman comes on, and Susie Orman, as I said, is maybe not an attractive woman, but, you know, maybe handsome in a butch kind of way. But, boy, Larry King just looks like a corpse. I mean, Larry King, Larry King no longer even looks like he's alive. I mean, I think I speak for both of us on this. I, yes. Do they even attempt to put makeup on him at this point? No. I mean, I would hate to think that the Larry King I see on television every night is, in fact, Larry King with cosmetics. Because that then sort of asks the question, what does he look like when he gets out of bed in the morning? I mean, when he gets out of bed and, you know, and, and Palpatine comes and, like, snaps him into a respirator so he can breathe without dying. Did, did you see the call when Susie Ordman tried to ask the caller a second follow-up question? Larry, I already hung up on him. We're done! Yeah. Well, you know, here's the... It's funny you mention that, actually, because here's what I was thinking last night when that happened. When you watch Larry King do his regular show now, I'm not talking about when he has a special panel on or when he has some thing where, you know, tomorrow we will be having Tony Robbins who addresses your observations about personal empowerment. When Larry King is just doing a regular show where he has, like, Steve Lawrence or somebody, does Larry King ever take phone calls anymore? Ever? I can't remember the last time I saw Larry King on a regular, like, Monday through Friday show take a call. And he has that phone bank that sits there, and you see it blink with calls, calls that are never answered. I don't even think they give out the number. I mean, I watch Larry King, and I think now the, the well, phone thing is... true, is, isn't it? I think the phone thing is just for decoration. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't... Re I, I think that maybe they don't allow Larry to talk to people anymore. I think... I think it is entirely he's possible. He's too grouchy. I think he might be some animatronic from the Hall of Presidents, kind of like a creature shop creation. Mm -hmm. Like he's some sort of... He's a Gelfling or something up there uh, behind the desk. Because they don't, they don't really allow him to, to actually speak to the public. So I'm suspecting that maybe there's something awry with Larry King's mind or body or perhaps both. He kind of looks like he looks like some news version, like some suspender-wearing version of, like, Mama's, Mama's Place or Madam's Place, whatever that wooden puppet was. So uh, let's do two more. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Speak now. Rick, this is Greg in Portland. Hello, sir. I have, I have something fun for you on the disconnect with the Democrats in Portland. Yes, sir. I have a street from property on Martin Luther King and teenage daughters who are big Obama supporters. Yes, sir. So they asked me to get great big Obama signs and put them on our fences. So I called the DNC office here in Portland and said, can I please have the Obama signs? My kids will love them. And they said, no, we, uh, we don't have those. You need to call the Obama office. Okay, could I have that number? 
Oh, we don't have that number. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have a Portland DNC office, you don't have that number. They said, no, we're trying to get all the other Democrats elected right now. This was an hour ago. So I said, how would you suggest I go about finding their number if you don't have it? And they said, well, you'll have to Google it. That's fantastic. So yeah. did they just sort of, did they figure that Obama is just such a lock they don't even need to worry about it? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure. Oh, there was one more thing, Rick. I like the idea that they actually don't have, like, even a phone book at the DNC office. Yes? Oh, bastard. No. All right, thanks. Son of a bitch. All right. Uh, we'll do uh, one more and then we'll... You know, can I just tell you this? I never in my life... There's two things I've never done. One, bumper sticker on my car. Two, any sort of political thing in my front yard ever, 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 ever. Because no matter what you put up there, half of the neighborhood's going to be angry at you. And what they won't do is call the cops the next time somebody's slashing your tires. You know what I mean? No, no, no. That guy had a no on 36 thing. F him. I'm not calling the cops. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. It's you, sir. All right. Way to bring the show down and shame your family. Let's take a break. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up in just a moment, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini. Uh, later on, Steve Kastenbaum, Aaron Duran, two top fives, and Tim Riley. Stay right there. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Two nine seventy coming up later on. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Aaron Geek in the City, Duran. Uh, we'll be here with a review of something, and we'll talk about his top five teenage moping songs. We'll also try to do the top five spelling songs. What else? Uh, we will play your choice Bible trivia or musical trivia uh, for tickets to see Jesus Christ uh, Superstar and so forth. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, bringing you salvation from ignorance. The one and only Bob Costantini. Hey there, Rick. How are you? Hello, sir. It's a Friday. Everything uh, should be good. Uh, looks like the stock market's uh, still going up at the moment. You know, Bob. 331, the Dow is up. You know, when you come on the program on Friday, every day is a good Friday. <laughs> Thank you. Every Friday is good with you, Bob. I appreciate that. Right. Just don't tell Lisa. No, 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 no. no. Lisa, Lisa knows that. Look, this is as my, this is like uh, you know when you're a kid and like you, you and your idiot brother both bring home two like things you did at school and one of them is clearly better than the other and the mom has to say I like them all equally but That's you know in nice. different ways which is you know probably a lie but you know what are you gonna do? But with a me, good it's, way to do it. No, but with the, you know, with the, the Rick Emerson show, we have enough love to spread around for all of you, Bob. Very nice. Yes. All right. Um, eh, financial things. So. So the market closed up yesterday, but that's just like a temporary. I mean, it is just going to continue to sort of go up and down and up and down, right? Well, um, anybody would suspect that later on today, being Friday, uh, the Dow will probably come down a bit. Uh, whether it closes in negative territory, I guess, is anybody's guess. It has come down a bit. It was up uh, up 400 some uh, throughout much of the morning, um, but it is uh, it is down to 330, 331 right now as I look at it. And what that means is that some people are going to be taking profits out of this, uh, but the the markets, by and large, do like what they've heard from uh, the Bush administration and from Congress right. about this whole proposal of uh, buying up bad debts, uh, the government buying up bad debts so that financial firms can stay in business. Now, see, I've been I've been trying to boil this down because I don't really understand it all that well, and I think a lot of people probably have just sort of uh, there's the tiniest fingernail grasp on it. So I've been using rounders uh, analogies for all of this. So this so in this case, let me understand this now. So in this case, the government is kind of like 
uh, Teddy KGB going around and buying up all of Ed Norton slash Worm's old debt. Um, <laughs> because, right, because it was Ed Norton's debt, Matt Damon vouched for Ed Norton, but then didn't have the money either, and so then Teddy KGB's got to take care of it, you know, or whatever. No, 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 yeah. wait, no, 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 this is, that's wrong. Here's what it is. Okay, wait. I've got it now. Here's the deal with the financial crisis. The, uh, the, the people who got the money initially, people who got houses, loans, whatever, that yeah. they couldn't possibly afford or pay back, they are Ed Norton, alias Worm and Rounders, who are, you know, irresponsible, uh, getting themselves in over their heads, even though they ought to know better. Um, Matt Damon is the bank who vouched for people who they should have known not to vouch for. Matt Damon should have known, hey, that guy's a, he's chaos, he's a disaster, he's a, he's a complete F-up, I shouldn't be vouching for him. But he did anyway, just like the banks vouch for these people. So, of course, then, Worm and, the, you know, the Lendees, they failed uh, to deliver on their end of things. The yeah. bank, alias Matt Damon, is then on the hook, except the bank, alias Matt Damon, they don't have the money either. So yeah. then, the Chinese are Teddy KGB. They are John Malkovich and Grandma, the loan shark collector, because they're the ones who are going to come in and go, it is a shame about this bad debt. Now I will have to kill you and take your house. It's uh... Wait, no, no, no. And so now the government bailout is Matt Damon's professor, Martin Landau, who steps in and cuts him a check for like 30 yeah. grand or whatever. A very interesting analogy. Do you um, feel that is in any way? Relatively, uh, relatively close, you, actually. Do you feel in any way that is accurate? Yes. Uh, what is happening with this proposal that the president uh, unveiled today um, and the succinct version of it is that the government is buying up the bad debt from uh, these firms that uh, had invested and have been suffering significantly because of the housing crisis. Much of this uh, problem is uh, tied into the mortgage meltdown. Right. So the government is going to buy up bad debts and allow the companies to stay in business, these financial firms that have been suffering because of the mortgage crisis. And some of them, it isn't directly their fault um, because when you invest in something, you it's hard to say you know, where your money exactly ends up because the tentacles of investment go deep. And so you you may not think you're tied into the housing problem, and, and a lot of people who are with AIG insurance – uh, probably wouldn't necessarily have thought that the that AIG was invested uh, heavily. It was an insurance company that it would have been uh, hit hard by the mortgage meltdown. But of course, when you invest money in something, that money can get invested in something else and funds here and there. So it's it's it's. Oh. It's all, an extremely wide net that gets cast. All I know is that Harry Reid actually said in front of a microphone, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And somebody, <laughs> it, I either heard this or I imagined it, and it seemed frighteningly plausible in my head that Alan Greenspan said, like, put your money under a mattress or whatever. So, <laughs> no, but uh, Harry, Harry Reid changed his tune a little bit last night. Um, uh, we were here late on Capitol Hill uh, last night with a meeting where uh, Treasury Secretary Paulson and Ben Bernanke, the Fed chairman, uh, went to Capitol Hill to uh, brief legislators, uh, legislative leaders, including Harry Reid and Speaker Pelosi, about this whole situation, about the government plan. They've all come out basically singing a pretty good tune. Uh, Pelosi just issued a statement a short time ago saying that uh, uh, Congress uh, will examine it expeditiously, uh, the meaning of the president's plan, 
uh, and they are, we are committed to quick bipartisan action. Right. You, know, you know what that's called, Bob? That's getting your story straight. That's yeah. what that is. That's <laughs> like when the cops bring in you and your five miscreant friends, and they leave you alone for ten seconds to go, you know, like get more handcuffs. You go, all right, okay, I wasn't even there. I was at the movies. You were at your mother's house in Akron, Ohio, and that guy was dead when we found him. We didn't kill him. That's totally what this is. It's a day for movie analogy. Yeah. Also, this just final thing about this. I will I will only say, and I heard this sort of floating around here, so I it's true or not. Somebody said that there are, well, let's just put it this way. There are other banks, large banks, uh, that are currently worried about their financial yes. status and are perhaps wanting to have a, uh, somebody else come in and sort of take things over. And so yes. what I did hear speculated last night is that uh, if you do use one of those banks, not certain, but it is possible uh, that if that changeover happens, there may be an awkward period of time where, like, your checks take forever to cash. So, um, you know. So that I'm, is a possibility. So, you know what, because, I'm, I'm so. just going to get, like, a big bag with, like, a dollar sign on it, uh, you know, from, and just keep it under my bed, man. The, the possibility, and, and, again, I'm not a, an economist, so it's um, I, I take everything I say with a grain of salt. Yeah. But, um, you, know, when, you know, when you put your money even in a basic bank, of course, that bank lends money. Uh, the money doesn't stay there. The money goes out uh, the door, in effect, uh, being lent to people who, you know, want to do things, buy things, build things. Um, and so if there is, this is this is what is a classic run on a bank. If there were a, a run on a bank, then the money isn't necessarily there. And Jimmy Stewart, to keep your movie analogies going, isn't going to be around to rescue things uh, that quickly. God bless you. I was I was hoping that you would sort of circle around and go and, and come right back to the It's a Wonderful Life. Because yes. that's when he does that thing where he's talking to Bird or whoever. He goes, well, yes. Bird, the money's not here. It's over at Bob's house because he's putting a wing on. And it's at yes. Jerry's house where he's buying a toilet or whatever. Yes. It's, right. a, uh, it's, it's, it's yes. a simple love. Eco 101 right. lesson. All right. Hey, you know, you ought to do a sidebar article on this. Uh, the financial <laughs> crisis, as explained by three different movies. Yes. You're not going to do it. That's fine. I'll get All on right. that right away. Yeah, you know, don't placate me, Bob. I can see for your <laughs> shenanigans. All right, sir. Have a good weekend. Always you a pleasure. Too. Thank you. There you go. That's a good idea. I should just write that myself. Write it in I should just start doing CNN's prep for them, too. That's a great idea, though, because you know what? That rounders analogy I gave, I think, is obviously a gross oversimplification, but I think it's pretty accurate. And that uh, it's a wonderful life thing, too. I just wish I was more familiar with rounders because I didn't really. Um, yeah, it's, but I mean, it's one guy vouching for another guy, and then neither of them have the money. Uh, you know, and so then they, the thugs come to with to break their legs, and they got to go get a, an emergency loan to keep the leg breaking from happening. That's what's happening here. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like the bank vouched for you. You went under. The bank then realized they didn't have the money either. Oh, so sorry. And so now the, the Chinese are like, hey, we'll come and buy your whole country and fix everything. And so it, to keep that from happening, you're getting an emergency loan from the government. So it's all very confusing. Okay. And it does end with Jimmy Stewart saying, and this is Mama Dollar and Papa Dollar. <laughs> Anywho, uh, let's see. You're kind of crazy today. I got a good feeling about today's show. I'm full of excitement today, sir. Then I feel uh, I'm full of vim and Even vigor Sam's and vitality. Even Sam's Moose Burgers. Sam's Moose Burgers. That sounds weird. Well, you know what it is? Here's the thing about it. The double-edged sword of Sarah Palin is that... Hold on. Note to self. Okay. Uh, the double-edged sword of Sarah Palin is that, uh, you know, like how she's hot, but she's also crazy. She brought Moose Burgers to national prominence, but now there's like a run on them because you know that they're like every jackass, uh, you know. So every jackass with a gun rack. Oh, that was some Moose Burgers this week. And I was among them. There was me, another jackass, trying to buy Moose Burgers yesterday. Three different places, no Moose Burgers. What am I? I am essentially mooseless at this point. 
Um, here's the thing. I was talking about George W. Bush and how there's a cottage industry in hating him. So if the Republicans win, it'll be good for comedians, and if the Republicans win, it'll be good for the economy, because we can then have a whole cottage industry in hating Sarah Palin. I don't really think Joe Biden's that hateable because he's just bland, and I don't really know that Barack Obama's that hateable. I mean, people hate him, but there doesn't really seem to be anything you can grab onto. I mean, with Clinton, it was easy. You know, fat, spongy, rube, womanizer, draft dodger, pot smoker, you know, talk like this, felt your pain in your breasts. Uh, so the, but with Obama, there's just sort of like a, he's too happy. I don't, I don't care for his, his sunny disposition at all. There's really, there's really no money to be made, I think, hating Barack Obama. So what we really need to do is we need to vote in somebody that's hateable so that we can sponge a few dollars out of that. Let's see. Um, I have a great idea. Uh, Sarah and I had a great idea for a discussion that we can weave through today's program. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I have time to set that up. Or would you like to hear a funny observation? Let's go for funny observation. And then, yeah, then we can do Steve and then come to Sarah's idea. There you go. That's why you're the producer and I'm. That's why you are the organ grinder and I'm the monkey, Sarah Dillon. Um, so you I wish the, there was a camera in here today. You are all, you're like a bouncy ball. I'm full of uh, physical energy today. Mm. I'm kind of doing a whole Eddie Izzard, da, 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 kind of doing a dance on one foot kind of a thing. Okay, here's my idea. This is like how I had that, uh, this is like how I had that idea for a musical about the Vietnam War called Apocalypse. Wow. Okay, you know there's Doppler radar? You know, like, and we're taking a look at the Doppler radar. Okay. There ought to be. There ought to be a, a weather forecast for a parallel universe, exactly the, similar, exactly the same as our own, but reversed. Doppel radar. Doppel radar. Oh. I'm out! Yeah! Funny in my head. Uh, let's welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you? Doppel radar. See, it'd be like radar. It'd be like radar that lets you look at the weather in a parallel universe. I gotcha. Whatever. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about Yankee Stadium, and then we'll well, let's not do that. Let's back up for a second and talk about Wall Street, and then we'll end on a we'll end on a positive note, sir. Okay. And we just talked a little bit to, to Bob Costantini about this, but I know that. So what, let me just ask you one question here, because I was watching the movie Network the other night by sheer coincidence, because it's one of the best films ever made, and one of my top three favorite films of all time. And I'm watching Network, and there is the great... Everybody remembers the I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take anymore speech. Best line ever, right? Yeah, it's a, a wonderful. Maybe one of the best movie scenes, period, which is why they show it every year at the Oscars. Here's a line that people don't really remember. There's a speech. Howard Beale gives three great speeches there. One is the I'm as mad as hell. Two is when he is telling everybody to turn off their televisions, which then Aaron Sorkin stole for the opening of Studio 60. Turn off your televisions, even in the middle of this sentence. Uh, the third is when he talks about, in this case, the Arabs coming in. He's, uh, you know, he's talking about how they don't ever have to, they don't have to, have to take over a country with guns anymore. They just buy everything. So the Arabs are simply buying us. And so, uh, explain to me now this phrase: several nations injected as much as 180 billion uh, into worldwide markets. And how does that, if at all, how does that conflate with? This proposed solution whereby we were going to get rid of a lot of this financial crisis by having folks from China or whatever come in and help us stabilize things. Uh, two different things. Uh, th those countries' central banks were injecting money into their own uh, financial markets. So the same way we're having issues here with uh, credit uh, crunch uh, and, and problems in, with lenders and, and the financial institutions, 
those uh, markets are uh, those banks are also traded on some of them you know or the international ones are traded on foreign markets as well so much in the way uh our treasury department uh, you know injects money into uh the system here to shore up some of the banks uh you know the central banks in other nations did the same or or something similar to their uh stock markets and in their financial institutions so that's separate from what's going on today Today, the government uh, officially announced uh, what they plan to do here, and that is, within a couple of days, get some legislation before Congress so that they can create an agency to take on all of the bad debt that the banks now have, essentially to take it off their balance sheets so that the banks don't have to worry about it anymore, and at the end of the day, they'll have a lot more money to work with, and thereby, ergo, they'll be able to lend you and me more money which means we can spend more money and then the economy can rebound. You know, there, there is, you know, the, in the American, in the American character and in the makeup of this fine republic of ours, there are things that simultaneously uh, make you sort of go, yeah, and you kind of do like an America, f yeah, kind of a thing. But then, but then you are simultaneously sort of horrified and you go, boy, we're just a weird, messed up bunch of folks. And one of those moments was on Larry King last night when this guy, I forget his name, his name was. I don't want to mangle it because it, it was a name that seemed, it was like an Indian name perhaps, uh, but he was sort of a ball, like a Daddy Warbucks looking guy with glasses, pink tie. You know what I'm talking about? No, I wasn't watching last night. He's, one of, he's a CNN financial, you know, he's like a, like Jeffrey Tubin, but from the finance world. And wait, he, talking, oh, well, wait, you're not talking about our, our senior correspondent, Ali Velshi, are Ali Velshi, that's it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And I don't, I don't know what nationality, you know, what, what Velshi, what kind of name Velshi is. But, he, you know, anyways, he's, but he's on there, and he's talking about the, you know, the financial whatever. And he said this thing that is both great and terrible about America. He said, he said, this country, more than any country in the history of the world, and more than any country now, depends on people feeling wealthy and spending their money. And oh, you absolutely. Can, yeah, and you can argue that's what kind of what got us into this pickle in the first place. But on the other hand, you know, it does. You know, it is really true that unlike a lot of uh, other nations, this country is really about folks. I mean, I hate to sound so John Mellencamp about it, but folks, you know, folks going to work, they get their paycheck, they go home, and they say, "By God, I've worked hard. I've got this money. I'm going to go buy me something shiny." You know, that, that is sort of a great, terrible thing about America. You know, because it kind of bites us in the ass every now and again. But it, uh, you know, it's kind of how things run. Yeah, definitely. And and now we're paying the price of actually uh what well some analysts are saying we're paying the price for deregulation and allowing that to essentially run wild without any checks and balances. So now they're talking about, you know, the pendulum swung too far in one direction, now it's got to swing a little bit back towards the center and the government has to come in and regulate Wall Street a little better. Yes, sir. Okay, so I'm going to run something by you then we'll talk Yankees. Uh I have to make it quick unfortunately because they, right. they want me on the network at the top. All right, so you got what like 2 minutes? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so real quickly, I'm going to ask you this, and this is an idea I'm keeping for myself. I'm just going to run it by you and see if it seems solid to you. Okay, okay. you have people who got loans from the banks and then couldn't pay. It went on the banks then who vouched but couldn't pay. The banks were, the, you know, then uh, we were, you know, there was this threat that we were going to have outside interests and nations coming in and sweeping up all our debt, which would be bad. So the emergency uh, bailout had to come from the government. Is that at all like in Rounders when Ed Norton loses all this money, can't pay, he is vouched for by Matt Damon, who can't pay. Teddy KGB, the foreign interest, is going to come in and clean house, so he has to get an emergency loan from Martin Landau, who is the government. Very similar. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm going to write that one down, you bastards. I'm not giving that one. I'm keeping that one. I'm going to write that. <laughs> uh, what time is the game at Yankee Stadium, or has it already begun? 
no, well, I went up there. Uh, just I literally just walked off the subway and came right upstairs to be on your show. I, I got back in time to be with you. Right. Uh, but but the last game is actually on Sunday. Ah. So they'll be they'll be playing Baltimore on Sunday. The Yankees are are not going to have any postseason play this year. It's just they need a miracle within the next three games for that to happen, and it's not going to happen. So. So this is it. This weekend, last day with the old Yankee Stadium. There's tons of people up there taking pictures. Also today, they put on the new big, gigantic blue letters for the new Yankee Stadium uh, across the street. They, mm-hmm. they hoisted them up there today. I got to tell you, it looks like a giant, I don't know, Walmart or Target or something. I, I'm just not feeling it. You know, the, the letters that they put up there, it's just not making me feel... The Yankees' nostalgia. You know, it's uh, it's like when they tore down the Sands Hotel, sir. No matter how much shiny the follow-up, it just ain't the same. It's not. It, you know, and they try making this one look like the uh, the original, you know, from the 20s, yeah. the facade. But uh, I'm, I'm not feeling the history. I'll give you $100 if you go chain yourself to it. <laughs> That's a great idea. I like that. All right. I'll, I'll only sleep on that. Offer's tonight. on the table. All right. I'm there Sunday. I'll let you know if I do it. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. Take care. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum. I love how angry he gets about things. Well, I, I hate the stereotype, but I think that's a New York thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I was sad when they tore the kingdom down, but whatever. It's just, just a building. I mean, just a big, just a big, it is as George Carlin said, just a place for your stuff. The stuff in this case being people. So, you know, they'll build a new one. I mean, you know, but let's see what else. I mean, I, you know, we were, uh, we were sad when they changed that seven up sign. Talking about taking the Maiden Oregon sign down. People oh, sad about that. that. So, yeah, so I mean, you know, I, and, you know, and I, I understand New York, blah, blah, blah. Whole place a billion years old and house that Ruth built and whatever. Uh, all right, we'll take a break here in a second. Should we give out the uh, yeah, idea? Yeah. All right, so this is how do I put this? This isn't like a high concept topic. It's not like a whole thing I want to discuss. I think it's we're, I think it's more of a temperature taking because we were talking about something during the break, and I'm going to sort of put it out there. And this will be sort of like maybe the zombie naming thing, which by the way you can vote on those at 970.am bottom left of the page. Um, this is just sort of taking the temperature, uh, perhaps, of, of the audience. We were curious. We were curious as to whether, when you are driving your car, truck, whatever, in traffic, do you treat different cars differently based on the bumper stickers they have? And we've already, you know, we did a whole high-concept thing once about what bumper sticker do you hate. But I guess what we're saying is, if you see a certain kind of bumper sticker or a certain specific bumper sticker or a certain combination of bumper stickers... Do you then say f that guy and you just screw that guy every way you can? You don't let him. You don't let him merge. Maybe you take your foot at the accelerator, drop down maybe 10, 15 miles an hour, make him wait for that turnoff. Uh, you know, do that thing of staying just the right speed so he can't get over to the uh, passing lane. I mean, we've all done these things. Let's not lie. We're not pretend to be more Christian than we are. So just if you haven't, fine. If you have, we want to hear about it. We're just going to sort of weave these throughout the day. So the question is. Uh, do you treat people poorly based upon bumper stickers on their car? And if so, uh, we demand details. All right. We also demand news, which will happen in just a moment. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Later on, Aaron Duran, top five. Your calls and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Well, 
the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Just moments. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Uh, let's see. Later on, top five. Uh, we'll have the top five songs to spell things out. Aaron Duran doing his top five teenage moping songs. Uh, what else? Bush Watch coming up. Jock Watch. Penis Watch. Etc. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello there. Hello there. What's up? Oh, I'm calling about the um, treating people differently based on their bumper stickers. Yes. Yeah, so do you uh, do you treat people uh, poorly in traffic based upon the bumper stickers which grace the back of their automobile? Well, it's not really a bumper sticker, but it's that damn Jesus fish. Uh huh. I can't help myself. I pass them and slow down a little bit, and I just think, <laughs> where is your God now, you bastard? Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, you know, we welcome we welcome hate of all varieties and stripes here. So it's just so obnoxious to push a religion onto someone who's just trying to drive around. I'm just trying to get to the store. <laughs> exactly. I don't need your religious nonsense at this point in time. I like the I like the idea that you actually think, and I'm suspecting you sometimes say it under your breath. Where is your God now? Like if, you're, if they're trying to get on 205 or something. Exactly. That's quite wonderful. You know you know why you're able to get around them? Because you have evolved into a more efficient driver. I have, exactly. That's and that's like, I, you know, it's my prayer to that flying spaghetti monster that right. helps me. You're a good person. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm walking into Powell's and Cedar Hills right now, so a have a good day. Excellent. Please tell them you heard it here. Oh, Wonderful. Why? Excellent. Uh, that's fantastic. By the way, we will also take calls from Christians who cut off atheists. I don't care. Everyone is equal in my eye. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a bold and brazen robber who dressed up as an employee of Jake's famous crawfish restaurant and robbed the joint this morning. Uh, Jake's is at Southwest Stark and 12th Avenue. And apparently, uh, the suspect was dressed like a Jake's employee with a white shirt, black pants. But there were two big differences. He had something covering his face, and he had a gun. The suspect reportedly pulled out the gun, demanded money. The employees complied, and the guy took off. Nobody was hurt. Uh, so, uh, let's see. He's a white man in his 20s. He's wearing a standard Jake's uniform of black pants and white shirt. He also had some goggles on and uh, a painted mask on his face. A painted mask? A painted mask. Like, so that would tip somebody off. Like a blue man group kind of a thing? Yeah. All right. You know, if I ever had, and I'm not saying I would do this, but if I ever had like a ring of high-profile thieves uh, that I was working with, you know, like sort of a heat kind of a thing, mm -hmm. I, we would all wear Mexican wrestling masks. That would be our, that would be our calling card. You know, the clown mask, you know, it's kind of been done. And, uh, you know, the people wearing the, 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 the whatever, the uh, like nylons or stockings or whatever, that's been done. I'm saying for me, me, me and my guys, it would all be Mexican wrestling masks. And then we would have some kooky thing we'd say at the end. We'd say, like, um, what would we say? As we were leaving the bank with the loot in our Mexican wrestling masks, we would say, wait, here's what we'd say. We'd say, and that's one to grow on. And then we'd leave. There you go. You stay sexy, San Diego. Go up yourself. Here's Tim Riley. A teenage driver's been sentenced to 60 hours community service on charges from a skateboarding stunt that killed one of his friends. 17-year-old Christian Mohart has been sentenced on reckless endangering charges. This happened at Northeast 29th and Northeast 139th, August 2007. But a 16-year-old named Joseph Madison was skitching. Who knows what that is? Skitching. Is that like... Um... No. You're hanging on to the side of a car on your skateboard. The car driven by Mohart hit a dip in the road. Madison lost his grip, fell and smacked his head on the pavement, and he was pronounced at scene. Wait, this is like when you're doing the Back to the Future Marty McFly thing? 
Yeah, something like that. You know what somebody pointed out about Back to the Future the other day? Well, I hadn't really thought about this. Somebody pointed this out about the classic film Back to the Future. You know, he goes back in time to whatever, 1955? Is that what it is? Because it's yeah, pre-Chuck sure. Berry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes back in time and, uh, you know, blah, 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 paradise under the sea or whatever the hell. And then uh, he introduces his parents. And then years later, he's he's born and grows up. He grows up, and then neither of the parents realize that their kid looks exactly like the guy they went to high school with. Mm-hmm. And neither of the parents, especially the mom, realizes that the son looks exactly like the guy she like had the hots for and was at one point kissing. And more to the point, the dad, Crispin Glover, even in his newly self-confident uh, persona, doesn't ever pull, uh, what's her name, is it Leah Thompson? Is that her name? Is that in Back yes, to the Future? Yes, yes, Crispin Glover, as an adult, you know, now that he's all like, you know, the, 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 the man-man in the world, Crispin Glover never pulls his wife aside and goes, look, I want to know what went on between you and that guy in high school, because our kid looks just like him. I want, you, tell me right, you tell me right now, did he come, he come through town 20 years ago? Is that the deal? Because our kid looks exactly like that guy. What, did you find him on classmates.com? Tell me, you whore! I mean, like there's, that, that conversation never happened for some reason. So... I guess it's one of those things that's best left, un, you know, left unsolved. Gene Simmons was in Lake Oswego last night, as was Tommy Thayer. Uh, some benefit for some uh, friend of theirs named Jeff Young, who has Lou Gehrig's disease. Jeff Young, who was in the band Black and Blue, and who now has ALS or uh, Jeff yeah. Ger- uh, 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 Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a terrible disease to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Gene Simmons and Tommy Thayer, and we've had Tommy Thayer in the studio here, uh, Gene and Tommy from Kiss did a private performance just the two of them at a house in lake oswego mm-hmm. and the deal is you had to pay it was like thousands of dollars but you paid thousands of dollars and you went and you got to hang out in this guy's living room and it was like a cocktail party or whatever and then gene simmons and tommy thayer played a bunch of songs and then the money went to this guy so uh, it was very cool i found out about today i didn't know about it in advance i'm always uh you would have paid a thousand dollars too wouldn't you uh, you might maybe pick up a collection i might i might have probably not though here's tim riley so they're going to get rid of some parking spaces downtown and give them to bikes today there are going to be fewer places to park downtown. Two parking spaces are being sh- uh, swapped out for four new bike corrals. It's part of an annual event. It is National Parking Day, and uh, turning car parking to bike parking couldn't have come at a better time with bike commuters on the rise in Portland, say the organizers. The new online bike facilities, known as bike corrals, can fit up to 24 bikes in two former parking spaces. Now, it's, Wait, hold on. It's National Biking Day or Parking Day? Parking Day. What does that mean? I don't know if you drive. You what am I? Se- how am I supposed to celebrate? Well, we're not celebrating it here today. That's for sure. No. How am I supposed to celebrate National Parking Day? That's what it says. She's celebrating it right now. Yeah. So we might as well just celebrate this. So, so we're having, as you know, this uh, this pig fest thing mm-hmm. uh, in the back parking lot. Which nobody seems as excited about as as we are. I, well, we're the. I mean, look, we weren't even invited, and we're excited about it. They don't even re- they don't even remember that we work here, uh, and we were excited about it. So I came in today, and uh, Brian and uh, Gus uh, were in the back, and they were like getting their, you know, getting the grill all fired up and whatever. Um, but so, the, but the, as we've talked about before, I mean, so often the tail has gone stale. The back parking lot here sucks. I mean, it's just it's like metric parking. I mean, the back parking lot here is like that Star Trek three-dimensional chess. I mean, it's like way more cars than there are spaces. Double parked, triple parked, out on the street parked, and the sidewalk parked. I mean, it's, it's unreal. And so, of course, that parking lot is where they choose to have every employee of CBS Radio Portland come gather this afternoon for the Pig Fest. I, I don't know why they don't have it in front of the coin tower. There's a big area there outside. Well, because, well, never mind. Well, it's not There's a, a good reason it's for that. There's a good reason for that, Tim. Um, 
The area in front of the coin tower, uh, it's been made, I think, very clear, CBS, that that space is not to be used for any radio-related events. Oh, I saw someone, two people from coin in a big argument in front of the coin tower last night when Richie and I were filming out really? there. Really? They arguing about who had to go uh, grease the robot? Oh, words were exchanged. Wait, were they like executive types or were they like... Were they on-air types? A uh, reporter and his photographer. Really? Oh, really? And they were arguing? Was the yes. photographer older? Like an older gentleman? <laughs> yes. Oh, I love... No, and, no, I was saying... And, friend, I'm, and, I'm not gonna, and I'm not going to describe the reporter, but words were changed and the F word. Really? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> was it at each other or was it the two of them about something else? Oh, no, it was at each other. Was it Excellent. more one yelling That's at wonderful. one person than the other? Uh... From what I heard, uh, the, the reporter was getting the last word. Excellent. Who, well, did, who, who apparently made it known that he didn't care about his photographer's sickness. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And well, he that's was the F word on a few occasions. So that's how they play it over there at Coin. Mm. All right, then. Hey, did I ever play that thing of them talking about Aaron's rename 42nd.org? No. No, but that really disappoints me because Core is such a nice guy. Well, he didn't so say it was Core. Oh. No, 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 not him. No, not him. You said that. Tim didn't say no, that. No, I was talking about Aaron's thing. I was talking about Aaron's rename 42nd.org. Yeah, oh, God. <coughs> Look over there. <coughs> I don't know who Tim's talking <coughs> about, for the record. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. <laughs> wow. Oh. In other news, so who wants to know where these bike corrals are? I do. I know you do. Uh, there's one at the Ace Hotel. Yeah. Southwest, the Ace Hotel. At Southwest 10th Avenue in Southwest Dark. Clear the decks here for a second, Tim. There's another one at Stumptown, Southwest 3rd in Southwest Pine. Hold on for a moment. Should I take this opportunity to... Uh, this song is going to be for a moment like a cleansing sorbet. Removing the trace of all the earlier unpleasantness from your palate. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that. He's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Does he say, I, I had friends before, but Jesus never leaves you flat? I think he Does he has... not have friends? Did they all flatten him? No, I don't think he has friends anymore. But, I mean, what a friend he has in Jesus. Oh, okay. All right. So we're just... Okay, so it's all is right with the world. But let me just I'm... back up for one second. Yeah. Speaking of words being exchanged, let me uh -huh. just finish this. Finish something up here because I hate it when I'm listening to the radio, and some guy starts. I was listening to a show the other day, and I won't say what show it was. It wasn't here, uh, but it, the guy was starting a conversation about something, and it was something I was really interested in. And I know that I'm sort of an egregious offender, but I've, I've tried to be tried to become better about such things. And the guy started a really, really great observation, and then he was interrupted by somebody. And I was like, okay, now go back to what you were going to say. And then he never went back to it. I was like, but I wanted to, you know. So I want to go back and finish this. So mm -hmm. the reason we don't do events in front of the coin tower is because it's been made very clear to CBS Radio that that space in front of the coin tower is sacred. Is, um, well, is, is just, uh, does not belong to CBS. Uh, CBS is just one residence of that building, the coin tower. It's the Louis Dreyfus building. That's what I'm saying. And so it's been made very clear that that property is, that space is not to be used by CBS for Julia their own shenanigans. Julia can out there as much as she wants. Mm -hmm. CBS cannot. There you go. So, um, so hence, we are not doing it here in the back lot. And so there's all of these cars back there, but we're doing this pig fest barbecue roast bonding thing back there later on today. And Brian Jones, director of engineering, 
And he also, by the way, is the, he's sort of the chief of the motor pool, which means he is the, he is the overlord of all automobiles he's at CVS. Cooker. He is the yeah, but he, but if he's the guy, he is in charge of all the autos at CVS. In you know that like the buck stops with him on all the automobiles, and so he's just like all the cars have to leave the parking lot. And Richie said, and you should know by the way, there's no other parking around here. And Richie said, well, where are people going to park? And Brian said, not my problem. <laughs> and went back to cooking. And you sort of got to admire that in a way. Like he was just sort of like, yeah, he's sort of like, F it, I don't care, you fix it. So Richie is out moving my car somewhere, because Richie is a friend of mine, and I don't he's know... parking in Gresham. I don't, yeah, the thing is, I have no idea where he's going to put it. I mean, I have no idea where that car is going to go. There's there's no parking here. I tried to park at the Plaid Pantry one there's time. There's some, like, something. street parking up there, isn't there? Maybe, yeah, but I think it's metered. I think you got to go feed the meter every 90 and minutes. Plus, there's construction everywhere, taking up all these spaces. You know, and now we're losing more spaces to bikes. Yes. Uh, okay, but so now it's National Parking Day today. Oh, are we back to that again? Yeah. I just don't know what that means. Am I supposed to celebrate it somehow? I suppose you are. Uh, but they're putting up these bike corrals everywhere, so you can't. All right. Well, whatever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Uh, Rick, you know, when I first moved to the Portland metro area, um, I kept seeing... Uh, like really like the radio station so I kept giving them the reverse peace sign with the tongue through it. Wait, hold on. Let's back up for a second. So when you first moved here you would see these bumper stickers that said kink and you thought it was, did you think it was suburban ladies who were like like into uh, some hardcore stuff. Into, into hardcore sex. Yeah. All right. Uh, or, you know, binding or... Oh, or, I see. So let me back up for a second. So when you first moved here you were not and I have to say actually I think a lot of people move here. And Kink has done a really, I have to say this, and I'm not just saying this because... I've seen those bumper stickers in L.A., and I knew it was a radio station. You know, but I... Even before I moved here. And I, and I, you know, when you see the bumper sticker, that's one thing. But when you just hear somebody say, are you into Kink? Do you like Kink? And you're like, what? Hello? We're at the office, Bob. Uh, but um, when you see the bumper sticker, you know it's a station. Uh, but I think if you, you know, when you first move here, you might not know. And it's really a credit to Kink Radio that they have done such a great marketing job. Mm-hmm that they've overcome what could be considered a set of challenging call letters. Let's put it that way. And radio stations in the past have often struggled with call letters uh, that um, could be interpreted as something blue or unflattering. Kink's really done a great job of making that a non-issue. But uh, So you would see women who had the kink sticker, and you would think that they were just like, they were sexual freaks. Right, and, you know, there's, there's nothing to destroy man's self, self-worth. And you know, and and emasculate him like just constantly hitting on lesbians, right, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't even know what that means, but it was hilarious. Apparently, I'm a. Was I a lesbian? You were a lesbian couple. Yeah, I don't have the soundbite. I have the soundbite here somewhere. Oh, by the way, you'll appreciate this. Here's an email. Hey, Rick. Um, I hate to tell you this, but Susie Orman is a gay. So, I had no idea. Oh, really? Now, see, she's, I mean, whatever, but I mean, she just seemed very, um, she didn't seem very, very femme, as they say. But, uh, but I have to say this about the, but the thing about Susie Orman is because people have always said, well, why do you find certain people like, like Hillary Clinton or that, what is that, foreign minister who they think is going to start running the whole joint in Israel? She's hot. And the people, start, you know, or Carly uh, Fiorino, who was the former head of, uh, of HP. And the guy's like, I don't understand. What do you mean she's hot? I do have to say, I mean, I would be disingenuous if I didn't say this. I do find powerful women really sexy. I really do. And I know that's typically a thing that women have. Like, women find powerful guys to be attractive. And I think it doesn't go as much the other way for for men, not to the same degree. I do find powerful women to be really hot, though. And uh, you get the feeling Susie Orman could crush you if she wanted to. Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, a Gresham girl says she was groped by a stranger on a bike. 
The teen told police the man rode past her, then came back and asked if he could touch her again. That's when she went to a nearby house. There was a man out there working, she said. So it was like, please help me. She did the right thing. She sat on a place of safety and security, says Captain Tim of Gresham PD. That's what we encouraged the kids to do. Officers look for the groper, but can't find him so far. If you have any information on the groper, you're asked to call Gresham Police. Groper. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, then we have Harry and David. Aren't those people the people who sell the big boxes of apples and mail them around? No, I thought Harry and David was the couple that sat around the kitchen table talking about Hillary Clinton's health plan. Oh, I don't think so, because they make $541.1 million a year. Oh, who are Harry and David? I, Aren't I, Harry and David, didn't they sing, um, Summertime, la 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 la. Who, what is that song? Huh? What is that song from the 60s? Summer, la 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 la. Is that Chad and, uh, Chad and Jeremy? I believe so. All right, who are Harry and David? I, I think they sell those boxed apples and mail them around the country. They have something to do with fruit or candy. They make $541 million sending boxes of apples? I guess so. That seems inaccurate. Mm -hmm. They're the Rogue Valley's largest non-medical employer, and uh, their profits have dropped 2.8% to only $545 million. They cite the sliding economic conditions and consumer confidence levels. Some of our best customers are in the financial services business. It's too early to tell what kind of impact we can expect because business-to-business -business orders tend not to be placed until later in the year. Wait, I keep waiting for this article to say what they do. I'm going to find out here. Okay, Harry and David. Harry and David. Harry and David almost sounds like it, sound like it might be a jeweler. No. You say apples, Harry and David. I say apples, you say jeweler. Harry and David offering gourmet fruit baskets with entrees, appetizers, and home-style desserts. They make how much money? $545 million. Well, Apples? That, well, that's that's with a 2.8% sales drop. As a matter of fact, their profits have dropped 85% to $545 million. I mean, would you like to order something? I love, uh, I, I'd like to order a job and some money, please. I, I mean, they look, have, let's see, they have uh, gift baskets, moose munch treats, chocolate and bakery. You know, I, I Oregon, love... Oregon gold peaches. They're sweet and ripe. Look, let me be very clear about this. I love American capitalism. It is the gift uh, baskets. It is the it is the preeminent system of commerce on on the you know on the planet today. A lot of people must buy them. Must be buying. But really, they're taking apples and putting them in a box and sending them to some guy. They have making... the, the fruit of the month club. Five hundred and forty-one million dollars. And that's a loss. I sound like I sound like um, uh, I sound like Arthur Dent. Mice. Delicious gifts under fifty dollars. All right, God, God bless him. All right, fair enough. I'm gonna start a business where I put like some crap in a box and send it to somebody. People will buy it. How about some ro Royal Riviera pears? Hey, you know, here's the thing that people don't talk about, Tim. Uh, you're from the East Coast. Let me ask you this: Do you know what applets and cutlets are? Cutlets would be veal cutlets. No, cutlets, C-O-T. Cutlets. Applets and cutlets. No, I've never sampled them. See, that is a Northwest thing, Sarah. You know applets and cutlets. Yeah, but I wouldn't be able to tell you what they are, but I, I heard the term. You know the city, uh, you know where the Applets and Cotlets factory is based? Wenatchee. So, oh. Wenatchee is the home of Applets and Cotlets. Applets. And Wenatchee Bananas. Uh, that is true. Applets and Cotlets uh, are, uh, well, now I don't even know what they are, but they're like a small, con fruity confection covered in powdered sugar. And they are mainly oh, sold at Christmas. Things? They're not gummy, but they do have a certain gelatin sort of. Like they're held together by a gelatin, I but know it's like exactly nuts. exactly what applets and cutlets are. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think they're like nuts and pieces nuts of fruit. And apples and, ge and gelatin but, or something. And held together in a little square with some gelatin, uh, like the chewy kind, and then covered in powdered sugar. Applets and cutlets, based on Wenatchee. Here's Tim Riley. Imagine that. Oh, this is ugly. 
A pickup truck collides head-on with a logging truck. Yeah. I have the picture here, too. Take a look at that. that. Oh. How would you like that to be you? No. Wait, is he dead? He's got to be. Uh, critically injured. Jesus, I would think so. This uh, happened near Tillamook. The driver of the pickup, Russell Welk, of Covington, Washington, was critically injured, and investigators say alcohol may have been a factor. So, wait, did he cross? Did they say whether he crossed the line? This wasn't the logging truck's uh, fault. I don't think so. Uh, let's see. No. All right. Uh, he was transported to Tillamook General Hospital, then life flight to Portland. The driver of the logging truck was not injured. Wow. That is terrible. That's a terrible, that's one of the worst uh, logging truck accidents I've ever so seen the, in my this, life. So uh, this fellow was also driving with a suspended license. Yeah. I may have been drunk. Yeah. Isn't that strange? Uh, then from Vancouver comes word, a man armed with a knife robbed a cash advance store and then stole the victim's car this morning. They were called to the Advance America Cash Advance. After robbing the store, police say the man stole the victim's car. The man is described as white, five foot three, five foot four. He has a dark gray hooded sweatshirt. He also has a mask with white on it. So a lot of people running around with masks. It's getting closer to Halloween. The car involved is a beige 2006 Buick Rendezvous. Uh, let's see, and a Florida license plate 990XBY. This man is dangerous because he stole things. Well, they have a problem with uh, some angry coyotes in Sherwood, and police now have orders to shoot and kill them after people report several encounters with the crappy canines, including a high school student who was followed home by two of them. Oh, man, that's so great. I mean, and bad. It's bad. It's wrong. So a high school student, imagine being followed home by two coyotes. Mm -hmm. That's like walking. That's like that's like if you're ever out in the woods and you look up and you see vultures circling overhead. Mm -hmm. That's uh, You know that you've chosen poorly uh, as far as paths home go. Uh, so anyway, the uh, director of conservation for the Audubon Society calls the order draconian and over the top. Uh, the policy followed the disappearance of dogs and cats from backyards in recent months. Wildlife biologists say aggressive behavior is rare in coyotes, but that two who followed the student could have been uh, oh, caring for late-season pups felt threatened. All right. Well, it sounds to me like but they were just sort of if they were following him. That sounds like a little bit of a stalking going on there, mm -hmm. which is great. Just like those uh, those cougars and mountain lions or whatever that are that are stalking hunters. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so, uh, court documents show that moments before a Jewish uh, city, Connecticut toddler, fatally shot himself, the mother warned him not to touch his father's gun because of the bad boo-boos it would cause. The tales show how two-year-old Wyatt Matau grabbed the gun from a nightstand and shot himself in the eye when his mother was in the bedroom. Hold on. Let me get the book. All right. Jesus, God. Rebecca right. Matau. M-A-T-T-E... A-U. Hold on. M-A-T-T-E-A-U. Mm-hmm. Rebecca? Yes. All right. Rebecca had gun on nightstand. Mm-hmm. Told the boy, uh, that, well, this is like a two-year-old, not to touch it because of bad boo-boos. Mom is watching her stories. You stay away from that gun yourself. Mm-hmm. Jesus. How do they know this? Did somebody else in the room say this, or did the mom say this? The mom apparently told... The police department. Why wouldn't you at least lie and make up a better story? Like, no, 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 I wrestled. I tried to wrestle it from him, but he was a strong two-year-old, Your Honor. It'll cause boo-boos. Really? Mm -hmm. Jesus. All right. Sterilization for her. All right. Rebecca. Okay. Rebecca Matow of where? Where is she from? Connecticut. Connecticut. That's the home state of George W. Bush. Connecticut. You know that word never looks right. Connect. There's just one. Connect. I can't. All right, there you go. Can I get uh, gun? All right, Rebecca, you are in the book, and you will be dealt with in the appropriate fashion at the appropriate time. Nitwit. Jesus. You know, uh, never mind. Here's Tim Riley. 
An Idaho woman is facing federal charges and possible jail time after refusing to pay for a soda and then spilling it on a counter in a case she calls a waste of taxpayers' money. U.S. Attorney Tom Moss plans to bring two charges against Natalie Walter stemming from an incident at the Boise Veteran Affairs Medical Center. If convicted, she faces up to six months in the federal Hooskow. Walters, who routinely takes her father to the Boise Hospital for treatment, say there's no posted price for soda refills at the center's cafeteria, and she's typically charged between a dollar and a dollar fifty to fill her mug. Well, on August 20th, she was charged three eighty, which led to a dispute and Walters dumping the soda on the cafeteria counter. Moss's office refused to speak to the uh, newspaper about the case until Walters' October 8th arraignment. Uh, she didn't learn of the charges until she was uh, contacted by a reporter. My father is a veteran. It is a federal facility for veterans. They should have been handled uh, differently. This is extreme, total extreme. Well, they have time on their hands. Now they can come after me. And by the way, so now Thomas Gill has clarified the applets and cutlets questions. He said they're made in cashmere, which I guess is between Wenatchee and Leavenworth. So maybe, because it's wherever, it's whatever town my brother lives in. So maybe that's cashmere. Uh, he says they're like Turkish delight. Well, that sort of answers a question that's sort of been in my head I for a long time. I'm the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, see, that's nerd. That's what I was just going to say. I was going to know what Turkish delights me, were. Me too. I, like, I want a Turkish. I'm like, what the? Yeah, you know, what did they want so badly? Me too. <laughs> I can't, Sarah. I can't believe how much you and I seem to have in common with one another. I say, desperately trying to find that soundbite, and oh, now it's gone. No. Where did that soundbite go? Oh man. Where that did sucks. it go? Oh, hold on a second. And then we're gonna re we're gonna recreate this whole thing just so I can have the satisfaction of having that soundbite play. I think it's because I put it on the desktop and all right, let's see desktop. All right, hold on, wait, don't go anywhere. All right, I'm going to save this uh, rack of spots. Save for plonk. All right. <clears throat> Me too, Sarah. I always wondered about Turkish delight. I see the woman, and I'm a woman, and um. I had five children. She has five. Yeah, because so the, the white witch or queen or whatever she is. Tempts him with Turkish delight. Exactly. She tempts him with Turkish delight. Uh, and then they, it's like a thing happens, and then Mr. Tumnus the fawn appears, and then there's a thing. Uh, and he eats all of this Turkish delight. Do you remember who it was? Who the kid The was? boy that ate the Turkish delight? No. Edward. Oh. Edward was the boy who goes through the wardrobe, meets the white witch, who gives him the Turkish delight. Uh, and then there's like a whole thing, and then I think she threatens to turn him into a statue in the statuary or something, and uh, I don't know, something else happens. Uh, and I, my whole life I wonder what that was, and I actually thought it was made up. I thought that Turkish Delight was like a thing that C.S. Lewis had fabricated because it sounded cool. Me too. It sounded so amazing. Okay. I can't believe how much we have in common, Sarah Dillon. I see the woman, and I'm a woman, and um, I had five children. She has five. Here's two things, by the way. Uh, you know what I, f I had for the first time a while back was Turkish coffee. Turkish coffee is fantastic. I'd never had that before. How is that different from normal coffee? Uh, it is much stronger. It is sort of like almost espresso in the sense that it's smaller, uh, 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 stronger, and sweet. It can be taken very sweet sometimes. Uh, but I think it, and I think it's a different kind of coffee. It's a, it's a specific kind of bean or a roast. Uh, but then they serve it, and there's like a whole kind of, there's a whole kind of like heroin type ritual that goes with it, where it's like in this little thing, and it's got this special kind of pouring thing with a long handle. It's all very cool. Uh, you it without heroin. Yes. I'm and, and so forth. It's like some sort of, it's like a caffeine version of absinthe. There's like this whole ritual that goes into creating. It's very exciting. So there's that. Okay, here's another thing. And Tim, you can, pro this is going to be my last question about food. And then we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll reset after this and continue providing entertainment as only we can. Here's a question, Tim. Yes. I'll actually give you your option. The uh, newsman's choice. I have a question about uh, 
Something at parties, and I have a question about food. Which would you like? Something at parties. All right. When did we all decide that at parties, the stock wacky thing that a guy does is putting a lampshade on his head? Have you ever been to a party where a guy got drunk and put a lampshade on his head in anything? I mean, the only time you'd ever see this is like if a guy was making a goof out of it. Hey, I'm the guy with the lampshade on his head. Have you ever been to a party where a guy put a lampshade on his head? That's I, always depicted. I have not, and most of my lampshades are screwed on, so it would take some effort to do that. Well, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine you'd let t- the people touch your furniture anyway. No. I think if people ever were allowed into your home, you'd probably... You would do, I let but, Richie in my house yesterday. Yeah, but I mean... And, uh, but he's, you know... Wait, really? Yes. Oh, not like not just on the doorstep? Like you let him cross the threshold? Yes. All right, well, he's... I gave a, him a tour of my residence. Well, he's a very... He's a relatively clean person, I, I would think. I would think so, yes. Uh, but I would say that you would take the... Ja- you'd go the Japanese one one further. You would, like, rather than the booties, you'd have them put on the full, like, hazmat suit before anybody was allowed now, to I touch him. I asked him to remove his shoes, but I had mine off also. Uh, really? Now, when Richie took off his shoes, did you then realize that his socks and or feet would be touching your carpet? Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. All right. Uh, so, but you go to, you know, you think, like, it's always shown in old cartoons and movies and, car, you know, the, the whatever, and comics, where it's like a guy drunk at a party, little lit, puts a lampshade on his head. Well, why did that, did, was that a thing that happened, like, is that in the 50s? Doesn't that seem like a very 50s thing, it putting does. a lampshade on your head at a party? Playing charades. Totally. So, playing bridge and canasta and eating uh, eating bridge mix with uh, with uh, Flo and Phil from next door. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's a thing that, like, we went through a phase in this country in the 50s where guys at parties put lampshades on their heads, not unlike flagpole sitting or perhaps swallowing a goldfish. All right. There you go. I don't know. All right. I regret I regret asking you. No, I'm glad you asked. I, I just don't have the answer to that. Well. I may find out the answer, though. I found out the uh, question about the moon the other day. That is true, Tim. That is true. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. More from Tim Riley coming up. We got a Bush Watch on the way, Jock Watch on the way, Penis Watch later on. Aaron Duran from rename42nd.org. Uh, we'll do the top five songs that spell things and Aaron Duran's top five teenage moping songs, Glorious Bastard of the Week. And we'll play Bible trivia for another pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Here's Dwight Yoakam.
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Ah, comedy. Thy name is Amy Winehouse. Uh, with uh, Charlotte Church. There you go. Coming up later on, we'll play Bible trivia and or musical trivia. I don't know. I was coming up with some Sound of Music trivia. Now, I might do either. I might give you your choice. Sound of Music or Book of Revelation. Or, or, I might give you your choice between... I could give you a choice between... Uh, I like the comparison between Sound of Music and Book of Revelation. I'm trying to do a little, cre- little yin-yang. Uh, or Book of Genesis, South Pacific. As I'm going to work on it in my head. And we're going to go away and take and see uh, Jesus Christ Superstar uh, coming up here in, uh, in just a bit. Uh, don't forget, tickets go on sale today, 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 today at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, we're going to be giving away a pair. And we'll also announce the Glorious Bastard of the Week and the so forth. Uh, we got that Bush Watch coming up. Uh, penis Watch, all that is... Tim Riley. All right. Well, Wall Street signals support with positive numbers at the closing bell to a Treasury Secretary's proposal with the biggest government bailout in U.S. history. The Treasury Secretary, Henry Paulson, by the way, has a Portland connection. Apparently, his son is the majority owner of the Portland Beavers, a minor league baseball team, and the Portland Timbers, a soccer team. So uh, Henry Paulson is proposing the creation of a new government corporation to buy up bad debt from uh, financially troubled uh, well, companies. So Hillary Clinton places the blame on the current Bush administration. Of course. What we have seen over the course of the last eight years is an administration that refused to recognize the threats lurking in our economy. No matter what lurked just beneath the surface... Or what problems we're facing, middle-class families. So the federal government is buying up more of the mortgage-backed securities that have been a, a drag on the balance sheets. Here's that, that Henry Paulson fellow, the Treasury Secretary. We're talking hundreds of billions. This needs to be big enough to make a real difference and get at the heart of the problem. A full legislative package will be discussed with members of Congress this weekend. That means they have to work, apparently. We worked with Congress on a number of steps, all of which were important leading up to this. But this is the way we stabilize the system and get at the root cause. You know, you know I'm sitting there thinking about doing Monday or Tuesday. And, you know, because it's tempting to think about, well, Monday or Tuesday, this, people won't be talking about this. But, of course, we all know this is just going to get, I mean, it's not going to get better anytime soon. I mean, yeah. we've got a, we're still in the tunnel, as they say. So, because I don't know a whole lot about this, uh, you know, we did that thing of bringing, what's his name, uh, Greg Raisman off of the city to talk about bicycles versus motorists. I'm thinking, let's see if we can block out, like, 15 minutes with Lisa to do, like, a Q&A about, like, what the hell? Like, please explain everything to, to me in tiny words. Uh, because, I, you know, and I'm sure there's any number of, don't call about this now, because I can't answer any of your questions. Tim can answer some of them. Sarah's eating a burrito. So, I think that probably there's any number of people who have questions about, like, you know, like, what is the deal? What, what am I, you know, like that woman yesterday, should I be liquidating my 401k? And just, I mean, who knows? I I have no answers to any of these things. So I'm going we can book Lisa for like 15, 20 minutes because she's got a degree in economics. Uh, so, uh, you know. Give her a Susie Ordman. Oh, man. Boy. Yeah, I, uh, the, well, I think I already told you the other day, if I was independently wealthy, the first thing I do is hire her to do my taxes. Mm-hmm. You, Susie, it's like in Back to School when uh, Rodney the Interview hires Kurt Vonnegut to write his book report. So that's completely what I would do. Um, you know, uh, Monica Lewinsky has a degree in economics. Maybe we should have her on the show to answer some questions. Do it, Richie. Uh, and so forth. I was, I had something I was going to say. Uh, Turkish delight, economy, 
Nothing. Oh, here's the final follow-up question about food, Tim. Yes. Uh, what is baked Alaska? I don't know. I've never had it. See, but don't you hear it referred to a lot? I do. It's like a... And, and sir, would, would Monsieur like baked Alaska? Well, I don't know. I have no idea what that is. It's a thing that is sort of... Rev- baked Alaska is one of those things that I only see referred to in books and in movies. Doesn't really seem to exist in real life. I've never once been in a restaurant where baked Alaska was being offered. It's only there in, like, Bonfire of the Vanities type novels. So, uh, anyway, there you go. By the way, yes, it was Edmund, not Edward, who ate the Turkish delight in The Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, and uh, blah, 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 blah. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, John McCain says Barack Obama has some responsibility to the, uh, the current problems. Well, we've heard a lot of words from Senator Obama over the course of this campaign, but maybe just this once he could spare us the lectures and admit to his own poor judgment in contributing to these problems. Who is he talking about? Barack Obama. Really? Yes. Whatever. Hey, can I ask you another question, Tim? I swear to God, this will be my last no, simplistic can, economic you can, question you can for the day. Ask all day. <laughs> it does not necessarily mean the answers will be forthcoming. Sometimes no, I'll, I'll answer all questions. Occasionally, ask tossing questions. You know, when one of us on the show asks somebody else on the show a question, it is sometimes just like tossing an undercooked matzo ball. You know, just kind of hits the floor, and sort of stays there. How do I put this? So the bailout of all of these banks, lenders, whatever, mm-hmm. that is in some way coming from the public, right? Because, yes. they, because it's the government's money, which is really just a fancy way of saying our money. Can I just boil it down to this? Am I asking, is, am I being asked to pay for Scotty J's bad choices? If Scotty J was behind the scenes doing this, yes. Well, in other words, it, it seems like, a fair assessment that Scotty uh, has purchased and I think owns many, many things he cannot possibly afford. We don't know that as a fact. If that is the fact, let's say t- let's say he's not Scotty J. Let's say he's Scotty K. Scotty K. Yeah. There you go. So if his brother Scotty K. Mm-hmm. If Scotty K. Has a house that he got, you know, got some mortgage he couldn't possibly afford, and let's say, oh, I don't know, huge brand new truck and a brand new Cadillac that he also couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. If Scotty K, who has these things, can't pay for them uh, and is now on the hook for this stuff and is one of the causes. So am I essentially being asked to pay for his mistakes? Kind of. Okay. But uh, Scotty might have also been misled. That seems hard to believe. (laughs) Seems like that would really take some doing, Tim. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So Barack Obama says John McCain is wrong about him. This comment... This comment was so out of touch that even George Bush's White House couldn't agree with it when they were asked about it. They had to distance themselves from John McCain. Meanwhile, Sarah Palin got a big response when she was in Cedar Rapids. We want Sarah! We want Sarah! We want Sarah! We want Sarah! All right, we're going to have to use that. What is that called, please? That is RDD Palin, Iowa 2. Iowa Thank too. you for that beautiful gift, Tim. <laughs> that is wonderful. All right, thank you. That's fantastic. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. So Sarah Palin goes on Hannity and Combs and uh, outlines her thoughts. No Cold War. We have got to know that our mindset needs to be opportunity for pressure and diplomacy and sanctions if need be. Uh, She responds to what her top international concerns are. Any country that's going to house the violent Islamic terrorists, we have to keep our eye, of course, on Iran. We have got to keep our eye on some of the ongoing um, activities in Russia also. Uh, 
How about the diplomacy with Russia? We do not want to start a war with Russia. No Cold War. That's got, that's got to be off the table. Is that what passes for deep thinking now? Yeah. We don't want to start a war with Russia? Mm-hmm. That is some stunning political insight. I can't. I am so torn right you now. You can see Russia from some places in Alaska. You know, is that really true? Yeah, it is. It, you, actually, okay. you have to go to Little Diomede Island. But you can actually see. I mean, I don't care, but you can actually, on a clear day, you can see, you know, the fellow travelers. It, right. It, All right. It, it takes some doing. But, technic- but it is doable. It is technically not a lie. No. I can't decide, though. I am so torn about whether I want this election to happen tomorrow or whether I want it to go it's, on it's forever. It's been over, like, last year. Yeah, but, I mean, there's part of me that just dev- that never want this campaign to end. Part of me wants this election uh, cycle just to continue forever. I'm going to be so depressed when this election is over because it's just it's, 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 it's unbelievably entertaining. It's just such, such fantastic television to watch this election fight unfold. And when it's done, I'm just going to have this huge letdown. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to uh, read a book or something. So it, I don't know. I either want it to continue just indefinitely or I want it to happen tomorrow so we can just sort of skip to the uh, – it's like going through a really tense playoff season or something. It's like on the one th- you know, on the one hand, you, you want to get to the championship. On the other hand, you know, it's a fantastic playoff. Everybody very evenly matched, and you sort of want to prolong that. So, well, all right. Tony Blair adds the title college professor to his resume. The British Prime Minister has arrived on the campus of Yale University. Well, he'll spend the semester teaching on faith and globalization. Tony Blair says it's important for people from different faiths and cultures to learn to live together and respect one another. Globalization and the economic system is pushing people together. And we've got to make sure that faith doesn't pull them apart. And, and some parts of the religious world today is doing precisely that. Thank the maker. Emergency workers at the scene of a crash between a Metro bus and a Metro Blue Line train just south of downtown Los Angeles. The train derailed. L.A. Fire Department spokesman Brian Humphrey said the collision happened earlier this morning. Firefighters arrived quickly on the scene to discover a collision between an MTA, Metro Blue Line light rail train, and one of that agency's passenger buses, which was thankfully devoid of passengers at the time of impact. At this time, between one and two dozen patrons on board the Metro Blue Line light rail train are being assessed, and we anticipate several will be taken to area hospitals. They're having a bad train time down there. Yeah, transportation is really a mess there, no matter what they do. Well, you know what? Even here in Portland, we had that train hit a uh, train hit a bus about three months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Uh, the best of my knowledge, baked Alaskan is a fish dish. So it's a so it's a I type of it's seafood like, I that think is. They take like Alaskan salmon and they bake it. Really? Here, Alaskan. listen to this, Rick. Baked Alaska is a dessert made of ice cream and cake. These two I things. Think it's fish, actually. These, these things can't both be true. Maybe it's fish-flavored ice cream. This guy says it's ice cream over a piece of cake covered with meringue and then baked in a very hot oven to brown and set the meringue. Don't you guys spend like half your day on Wikipedia? Uh, I don't. I let I let the people do that for me. The audience is my Wikipedia, sir. I do like the idea, and I'm not saying one person's right or wrong. I, at this point, I almost don't want to know the, the right answer because I'm so entranced by the idea that you think it is in fact a seafood dish, and another guy thinks it's meringue and cake. I mean, it really would be hard to find two dishes that were more at opposite ends of the spectrum than those two things. A lampshade decorated with ice cream. That's what I'm saying. Um, hold on. Let's see if I have a, see if I have a quarter. I was going to flip a coin to see which which definition I was going to believe. Uh, I don't have that. I will flip my Kenneth Cole money clip. All right. Uh, all right. Driver's license side up. It's ice cream. Uh, dollar bill side. I have one dollar in my money clip. I'm using a money clip. Big roller. You. That will I, get you uh, far at the pig fest. I, I am I am using my money clip to hold a single dollar. What? Yeah. All right. So dollar bill side up. It's fish. 
It's ice cream, sir. I'm sorry. You're so you couldn't be more wrong about that. That's all right. I have. Uh, I use a binder clip as my money clip. So you use a what? A binder clip. Well, this is basically like that. Uh, so uh, yeah, you, you know, I, well, never mind. I was going to talk about money clips, but that's stupid. All right, thank you, sir. You have a dollar in yours, and my money clip costs about seven cents. So. All right. So see something. We are we are much the same, you and I. Oh yeah. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. There you go. Um. Uh, doesn't it seem though? Because you know they they found out that what's his name Track Palin was hooked on OxyContin, and I think they said he was smoking weed or whatever. Doesn't it seem like somebody should have used the headline "Baked Alaskan"? All right. They should have. Yeah. They should have. They don't listen to me, Tim. No. Well, I did find uh, well some good points of the economy, but we have to go to Oklahoma to find them. Harry Schrader, the executive director of the Oklahoma Cotton Council, says Schrader. Oh, I barely knew her. Oklahoma cotton prices are looking good this year. It's holding about where it has been. has some possibility <laughs> of a little rise in it, but it's going to be dependent on the world economy. So uh, this executive director of the Oklahoma Cotton Council says, their state's cotton is doing better than everyone else's, mainly because the hurricane took out most of Texas's cotton. Over half the cotton planted in the United States this year was planted in Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. So uh, those losses are could have a bearing on the total crop production for the United States this year. He sends not unlike that call to the Zodiac call, and I killed those two kids last year. <laughs> Click. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. Dane Clark and Jason Biggs star in a brand new hilarious comedy, My Best Friend's Girl, in theaters this weekend. Cook plays Tank, a go-to guy for jilted ex-boyfriends hoping to get their girlfriends to come back to them. Kate Hudson describes the plot. Dustin is kind of frighteningly in love with her, and she um, decides to sort of break off their dating relationship because she doesn't want to take it any further. And she sounds really into this movie. Really and it just so happens that his roommate sort of cousin is Dane's character who he then hires to get me back. Well, I'm filled with excitement about this uh, this film. You know what Over this is? half the cotton planted <laughs> in the United States this year was planted in Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Thank you. You know what this is? They they uh, drew straws backstage to see who had to go out and do the junket, and she lost. She lost. And Dane Cook and Jason Biggs are getting high in a hotel room somewhere, and she's having to talk to some guy from the Entertainment With Weekly. Palin. Yeah, about a, about a movie that she could not possibly be less interested in. I mean, she sounds so detached from the whole thing. Uh, you know, that's gotta that's gotta happen too with celebrities, don't you figure? I mean, uh, would you say, Tim, you have Hollywood experience? Would you say that when an actor finishes a film? Even before it's put together, I mean, sometimes they can fix everything in post, and a good movie can go bad, bad movie can be made good. Wouldn't you say that? When you when you rap on a movie, you kind of know in your heart whether it's going to be good, right? Yes. I mean, you read the script, and the script doesn't really tell you a lot sometimes. And sometimes, as Dennis Miller would say, it's just a cash run. Bordello of blood, sign me up, because, you know, they're going to pay you in cash. Uh, something when you, you rap on a movie, you can kind of look at yourself in the mirror and go, oh, I've just made a big pile. I've just made a big steaming pile of a film. And then at that point, probably you might be contractually obligated to go promote it, but clearly you're just you're really hoping that nobody sees it and they kind of you know and they they move on to your next project instead, which I think is what. Do you remember when uh, Bill Cosby came out about Leonard Part Six? Do you remember this? Oh yeah, I remember that. That was horrible. Bill, it was awful. One of the worst movies ever made. Bill Cosby came out and he did this movie called Leonard Part Six, and this I think is at the height of the Cosby Show fame. So he was like America's you know he was America's dad. 
And, uh, you know, I love Bill Cosby. He's a hilarious guy, a lot of great projects, a lot of successes, a lot of failures people don't really think about. You know, he did that show Cos at one point, which wasn't all that good. But I remember Bill Cosby actually going out and doing the rounds on, like, Good Morning America and actively ordering people not to see the film. Mm-hmm. Actually going, I don't want you to see the film because it's not worth your money. Stay home. And, you know, and because it was because it was awful. And it was so unheard of at that time, especially for a guy who was as huge as he was then. They kept, I made it, but it's crap. You know, and everybody kind of went, well, and, you know, the thing is because, he, but it worked, though, because he was America's dad. We all went. Well, okay, Bill, if that's what you want. And then we stayed away in droves. So, here's Tim Riley. While Guitar Hero is a major hit across the nation, those who prefer the sounds of hip-hop will soon have their own game. Rolling Stone reports the makers of Guitar Hero are planning to release DJ Hero. Instead of guitars with colored buttons, DJ Hero will have a mixer setup. Users will be required to follow along with the movements of the record. Activision has been working on DJ Hero for two years and plans to make the new game compatible with Guitar Hero so players can mash up the rock and hip-hop sounds. No word on what rap tunes will be featured on DJ Hero. Guitar Hero was released in 2005. To date, Guitar Hero has sold 21 million units worldwide, bringing in over a billion dollars. KCMD Portland. Bill Clinton will be taking in The View a whole hour's worth next Monday. Barbara Walters' daytime chat fest will dedicate an entire hour to Clinton, who will be making his first appearance on The View. Is that true? He's never been on The View before. I would think that probably either they would want to stay away from him or his handlers would want to keep him away from them. That seems like an environment in which he might uh, engage in shenanigans. Well, this is part of the Red, White, and View campaign. The View will also be giving the executive guest treatment to 30 rock star Alec Baldwin, who will appear as the only guest on the show's September 24th episode. Baldwin is making the rounds promoting his new book, A Promise to Ourselves. His new book, You Are a Thoughtless Little Pig! A Journey Through Fatherhood and Divorce. Really? Yeah, really? really? You know what he'll do? He'll do that thing, though, where the book will start by addressing that, mm-hmm. and then it'll, like, jump back and, but first... I was born in Scranton, you know, and then it'll be like a bunch of pages of crap you don't care about. Uh, and then he'll talk about that once again at the end. Isn't Alec Baldwin one of those guys always threatening to move? Yeah. Doesn't it seem like, uh, and this is another idea I'll throw out to either party, because some, uh, somebody was threatening to move the, the other day, for somebody like Sarah Palin. It was some some comedian was saying she was going to move if Sarah Palin won. I never believed him. No, but doesn't it seem like some sort of right-wing version of Michael Moore mm-hmm. ought to, like, get a TV show, even if it's on the net? Where it's like, you know, I'm going to camp outside Alec Baldwin's house, you know. The Republicans win. I'm going to go up and ask him when he's moving. You know, just every single day. Just sit there. You find some Susan Sarandon type. Uh, who, And, boy, you know, I love Susan Sarandon. Talented actress. Beautiful woman. Especially beautiful in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but fantastic in everything she's done. Except for the Banger Sisters. Uh, yes. Has made us laugh. Has made us cry. Uh, her husband, Tim, Ro- or her partner, whatever, Tim Robbins, great actor. Made some fantastic movies. They, though, are really the very embodiment of why people wish celebrities wouldn't talk uh, about politics. Because they just, they couldn't sound more pretentious if they tried. They just seem, they just seem like, when people say, I'm tired of liberal elitists, they are thinking of Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. And I don't have any problem with people saying what they think or whatever, but they, they really just drone on in the most humorless fashion. But, um, but, you know, but they're always talking about that. If they win, we're moving to, and it's always France. You don't do yourself any, any favors by saying you're gonna, you're gonna move to Paris. Um, 
And so somebody really ought to do a thing where they just, you know, you get some, uh, you know, you get some nutcase Michael Moore type out there. He just camps outside. And then they start running a ticker, like number of days that Tim Robbins has not moved to France. 500. Here's Tim Riley. Goes to this. Walt Disney Parks and Resorts announced a new promotion to admit visitors free on their birthday next year. Every guest gets to go in free. To where? Disney. Disney Parks and Resorts. So I guess that means Disney World and Disneyland? Well, I suppose, because they know that if you're, I mean, unless you're just an abject loser, if you're going on your birthday, you'll probably be bringing somebody along with you, mm-hmm. and they'll get to soak them for the whole thing. So, um, yeah, the goal is to mark the special events in your life in a way that your family will remember forever. Remember the time we went bankrupt buying stuff at Disneyland? That was Those were good times. Miley Cyrus, the star of the Disney show Hannah Montana, plans to celebrate her 16th birthday at Disneyland in Anaheim October 5th. Well, that girl's going to look awful by the time she's 25. She's not even 16. She already looks like uh, she already looks like she was passed around backstage at a Badfinger concert. She you know? was at a Jonas Brothers concert. I really? <laughs> not that I would happened. say anything. She a door prize for signing a record deal now? I think All right. so. All right, and uh, you're going to get uh, this necklace, and you'll get 15 minutes with Miley Cyrus. Don't. Don't wear out too much. Here you go. Time for Bush Watch. Here's your Bush Watch on the Rick Emerson Radio Program for Friday. He's the president in residence. He's kind of in charge. He's got the whole country staying. That's my Bush. Life is hard. That's the price of fame. When you're president, everyone knows your name. Hey, what's that thing? It's my Bush. I can't believe he's actually in the White House. That's our man. Here's your uh, Bush Watch for Friday. Lots of political candidates make campaign promises, but not like Charlotte Dennett. You see, Dennett is the Progressive Party candidate for the Vermont Attorney General. She says she will prosecute George Bush for murder if she's elected November 4th. Mm -hmm. Dennett, an attorney and investigative journalist, says Bush must be held accountable for the deaths of thousands of people in Iraq, U.S. soldiers and Iraqi civilians. She believes the Vermont Attorney General could have judiciary powers. She also says she would appoint a special prosecutor and already knows who that should be. The former Los Angeles prosecutor, Vincent Buglosi, the author of the prosecution of George W. Bush for murder book. We get one of these stories about every four weeks. Yeah. And some, uh, somebody's claiming that they want to, uh, I'm going to bring George Bush up on war crimes, which I think is just sort of a, uh, I think that's a thing you just you say now just to uh, just to get some of those moveon.org dollars. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, Bush is going to be out of office uh, on, what is his last day? Is his last day the 20th? Is that the inauguration day? I believe so. I think the inauguration's on the 20th. So that's the day that we he hands it over to either McCain or, or Obama. Really, the, 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 Trey Parker and Matt Stone did that That's My Bush show, which was, you know, ambitious but not very good. You know, it didn't, didn't really work, I think, the way they wanted it to. They ought to give that a try, though, and have a show called Citizen Bush. Where they just, you know, it's like George Bush, and you bring Timothy Bottoms back, because he did a great George W. Bush. They do a show called Citizen Bush, and you just follow George Bush around as he's like a, you know, goofy suburban dad. I think that, you know, there might be some comedic potential there. I mean, he's too funny to let go. I was just, when you were playing the sounder there, I was thinking that I'm just, in some ways, in some ways, I would say he's been the presidency's greatest gift to comedy. I'm trying to think of a president, I mean, Clinton was pretty funny, you know, what with the, uh, you know, I'd like to grow up you, and, and all that. So there, he was kind of funny. Nixon, of course, one of our, you know, Nixon was one of our great, the uh, great pieces of grist for the mill. Mm-hmm. Reagan was kind of funny. People made a lot of fun of Reagan, but I, I don't. They had to really work at it. I don't think Reagan himself was a very funny person. Uh, they could really. The only thing they could really make fun of Reagan was he was just sort of such a cowboy about everything. I'm trying to think if there's any other presidents in history that really were 
you know, great fodder. Maybe JFK, but that took a long time. He couldn't joke about him for a long, long time. Who was that guy, that comedian that did the impression of JFK, and he did that album? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, that? yes. He's a comedian, and his whole, his whole gag was that he could do a great JFK. And, and he, he could. And he did this. And then he... I don't mean to make a light of it, but I mean on something. Yeah, but he's but his whole thing was he could do these he could do this great JFK. So he was put up these comedy albums. Listen, I sound just like JFK, and you know, and then oh, he's dead. Maybe I can't do this. I'm bankrupt. And so that was sort of the end of that. So I mean, they, you know, back in like the Ulysses S. Grant, that was a guy that was kind of funny, but it really wasn't the means for that kind of comedy. So I think we're going to lose a great something in George W. Bush when that happens. Is that the end of the bush watch? It is, yes. There is your bush watch. He's the president in residence. He's kind of in charge. He's got the whole country saying, Back my bird. Why? Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. How can I help you? Hello? Hello. Yeah, I wanted to clear something up on the bit. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. I don't understand that call. You know... When in doubt, Tim. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So a woman said, Winko employee sat on her boyfriend and killed him. This happened at Beaverton. Uh, Mason Stevenson died September 4th at the Beaverton Cedar Hills Winko store. His girlfriend blames three employees who she said handcuffed him and sat on him. He really lost his, uh, really lost his temper, says Lori Pies. A uh, pie said Stevenson was at the Winco to pick up some school supplies for her son. He was a phenomenal father. He raised my two sons like they were his own. Beaverton police were not commenting on incident pending a full investigation. They did say the autopsy results would be released in one to five weeks. Managers of Winco have no comment. I don't want to die at a Winco. I know. I mean, you must have done something for somebody to sit on you. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, maybe they're just really bored there or something. Yeah, that's a. Maybe they don't have enough chairs in the break room. It's entirely possible. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, a subdivision in Jacksonville, Florida, has been invaded by thousands yeah. of tiny toads. Wait, Jacksonville where? where? That was me. Oh, that sounded kind of cool. It kind of did, but we could never do that again. It was like a syncopation I know. thing. Remember when we played them at the same time one time? Let's try it one more time. Okay. One, two, three, go. We did it again. Almost like a little remix happening there. All right, let's not try a third time. We'll screw it up. Here's Tim Riley with uh, that Florida story. Comes to us from Jacksonville, Florida. Well, one toad is kind of cute. When thousands start hopping around the subdivision, residents begin to wonder what's going on. There are probably at least 100 plus covering my driveway, said one. Possibly hundreds in one square foot. Some neighbors say it seems like the local toad population tripled overnight. They're just covering my driveway, my garage, my front door. I can't get out of my house. University of uh, North Florida biologist Dr. Joe Bueller says residents are likely uh, seeing... Spade foot toads. Adults live underground, and the amphibians come out to lay their eggs in the puddles and standing water left behind after Tropical Storm Fay. The eggs have since hatched and apparently increased the toad population as a result. The strategy, being able to avoid laying eggs in, well, apparently their strategy isn't working very well. The toads survive, birds and other small animals that try to eat them because they just hop away. People should be happy to have toads. It's great for mosquito control. The more toads the better. And that is one to grow on. Mm -hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello, hi. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Hi, here. Hey. Hey, a um, couple, three things. Yeah. Funny, funny president. Uh, Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford was funny because, you know, that guy fell once, and that immediately became his entire persona right there. He was the guy who falls. 
and Chevy Chase's paycheck. Well, you know, and here the, I, you know, this is the thing that people don't really comment on enough. This is sort of like that business of uh, Clark Kent, you know, having the glasses on, nobody sees he's Superman. It is really astonishing when you look back and you you realize that Chevy Chase was able to portray a president that he looked nothing like. I mean, maybe that was just part of the gag is that they just said like he's Gerald Ford. I mean, Gerald Ford was kind of a kind of a pudgy, heavy set, balding guy, and Chevy Chase was very young, very skinny, full head of hair. And they, I mean, maybe that was the the brilliance of it is they never did one thing to his physical appearance. I mean, it would be like having it would be like having a you know like having me play Sarah Palin and just having me like walking. Hi, I'm Sarah Palin. So <laughs> that'd be scary indeed. Yeah. Um, another thing, Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack. Yes, sir. One sound on vinyl. That is not from the movie. That's from the show. Um, the one from the movie is considerably worse. Yeah. See, and that's I think that's the one I've got. It's the double. It's the double album, brown cover, gold lettering. That's that's the original show. That's way way better. All right, Let's okay. We're rocking. Uh, third thing, you were talking Patrick Duffy and dreams yesterday. Yes, sir. Ironically enough, I'm watching Family Guy last night reruns. End of the episode comes along. Somebody wakes up. What's her name? She goes to the shower. Patrick Duffy's in there. She says, "I just had the strangest dream that I was with the Griffins and Quahog." See, that's that pretty is cool. the greatest episode. I love that one. You know, yeah. See, God love those guys. You know, the, uh, I'm glad that you know. The, look, we can't take care of everything here, so I'm glad that Seth MacFarlane is out there to handle those things that we don't have time to do. No doubt. No All doubt. Right. Excellent. Thank hey, you, my friend. Absolutely. Hey, one more thing. Yes, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. See, I, I knew that was going to go a different way. I knew that one was going a little bit differently there. Patrick Duffy is funny. Here's it because A, man from Atlantis. B, whole thing was just a dream. C, step by step. Step by step. Step by step. D, daddy. Yeah, also that. Uh, let's see what else. E, family guy. F, wait, what was it? F, I'm TV's Patrick Duffy as the right leg of the creature scuzzlebutt on South Park. So Patrick Duffy is one of those guys. You get it. You get. He could be like the new Rick Astley. We should try to make Patrick Duffy the new Rick Astley. You know, a guy has a kind of a good sense of his own sort of place in the pantheon, and you know, sort of embraces it and uh, and rolls with it. You know, because 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 right now, I mean, the, the people who really only exist as punchlines, and I think we had a little brief discussion about this with those uh, comedian guys when they were here that one time. And I was talking about B. Arthur really now only exists as a punchline. Abe Vigoda, his, his really Abe Vigoda's only purpose is to be a punchline to things. Who else? Ernest Borgnine, a little bit. We got to try to find the next, you know, and Rick Astley, of course, what with the Rick rolling and everything. We have to try to find the next generation, the next wave of celebrities who will just be funny for no reason. Just their name, their presence, their mere existence is, in fact, the joke. I have to think on that. It's not screech. It's too obvious. It's got to be a little. Um, uh, it's got to be somebody a little right on, you know, somebody who's not overtly funny. I have to ponder this. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. I guess this is a penis watch we're going to do. Does it say penis watch? It does. There you go. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. A pet fish has given a new meaning to swimming upstream and a man that should get into its owner's penis. Oh, wow. And the boy was urinating. Uh, the uh, fish apparently found its way into the penis of the 14-year-old Indian boy. This is a, a news story. In a bizarre medical case. Really, do they have to point out that it's bizarre? Mm -hmm. Not that it's commonplace? Well, well, the weird thing about this story is I don't... When I cleared the wire, I found uh, another story that went with this. With the, this newspaper, the Herald Sun, apologizing... We're leaving a picture of a penis on its website all day. Really? They said they had left early for a party and didn't realize. 
didn't realize it till the next day. Wait, so they didn't realize that they had a picture of a penis on their website? No, apparently not. Is that, are they doing like the? Are they doing I, like? I guess they were in a hurry. To, maybe they're having a pig cookout or something. Are they doing like the KGW thing where they just have like a homeless guy? They have him come in and read their copy for them. Mm-hmm. Hey, will you proofread this? All right. Uh, just have like a Jimmy the Idiot Boy come in and paste up their photos. Right. Or a startled face lying in a puddle of blood. Totally. So this is a news story, by the way, that we are reading, and it's uh, part of our service to the public interest, convenience, and necessity Mm -hmm. in the new news hour at 117 on KCMD and News Talk radio station. So he's relieving himself, and the fish somehow manages to become lodged in his member. That's what it says here. The patient was admitted to a hospital with uh, complaints of pain, dribbling urine, and uh, acute urinary retention spanning a 24-hour period. According to the boy, the fish slipped into his penis while he was cleaning his aquarium at home. Was he inside of the aquarium? This sounds implausible. It sounds like something that comes out of Russia. This sounds like a lot of, I was vacuuming nude and I tripped, Mm -hmm. and that's how I became lodged. That's what this sounds like. Um, Okay. I I will say this, because I watch a lot of, uh, you know, Discovery, National Geographic, and whatnot. Um, I, I will say... A little side note. I'm going to go back and make her ponder something here in a second. All right. Uh, I will say that I have seen a Discovery Channel program in which they noted that there is a very, very tiny fish in South American rivers that if you are wading in the river will, as they put it, uh, it can become lodged in an opening or orifice in your body, whatever that might be, because it's very small. But then it's got this whole thing. of It's, it's got like it's, it, the, the front of the fish has got all these little spines that are, go backward, which means that like once it's inside any opening, you can't really pull it back out. Oh, kind so, of like a zip tie? So, exactly like that. Yeah. So, this is, it's not like it's implausible. Um, also, here's a question. And there really is no answer to this, probably. And, Tim, you were speaking of things that are from an earlier era. I wonder in the post internet age, how much uh, the subscription level to and reading of National Geographic magazines has, has gone down. Because there was a time in America, if you were a young boy and you wanted to see topless women, you could really only do it in National Geographic unless you're able to, like, you know, scam one of your dad's Playboys. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you didn't have access to actual Playboy, the only place a young man could see uncovered bosoms was in the pages of National Geographic, which, you know, is just a, that is just a fact. Uh, so I wonder now, in the post-porn age, you know, we become sort of a pornified culture. We live in a pornocracy. I do wonder if, uh, if National Geographic readership has plummeted because young boys no longer need to search its pages for uh, nipples. That's a good question, but National Geographic does make videos also. Man, you know, National Geographic, they are the most badass organization. They put, even now, they got so much competition from a hundred other channels, they put on some of the best programming you have ever seen in your life. I mean, National Geographic really, you know, if, if somebody told me that when I died, all my money had to go to the National Geographic Society, I'd be fine with that. They really do fantastic work. You know, they do some of the best. Uh, they do some of the best programming even now, some of the best documentaries. God love them. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did that Planet Earth thing. That was BBC. But uh, the National Geographic, they certainly do their part. By the way, Patrick Duffy is now the host of a game show on the Game Show Network called Bingo America. And he's actually aged really well. He's he's always been you know, kind of handsome and yep. still looks pretty handsome. Yeah, I uh, I think that uh, he's I think he's he's taking care of himself. He seems like a guy who uh, he has a good head of hair on him too. All right, uh, it's uh, 503-733-2970. That 
was your penis watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start to melt away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Yeah. Do these uh, calls here and then some more news. We'll break at the bottom. Uh, in the next half an hour, like between now and the top, we'll do more news. We'll do the top five at 145 today. And uh, let's see, what else? Um, can I just tell you something? And we'll get to this. So whoever I picked up, just hang up for just one second. We'll get these calls. Can I tell you that Sarah did her top five teenage moping songs, like on Tuesday or something? And one of them was that expose, uh, I'll never get over you, getting over me. It's a fantastic song. It really is. It's a great It's a great song, great hook, great all of that. Let me see if I can. Hold on. Here we go. It's uh, right here. It's, uh... All right, let me just. Uh... You're on your own now. And I'm, I'm going to put you back on hold, sir. Hang tight. This is the song, right? By the way, this is written by Diane Warren, shameless schlock songwriter who also created the anthem, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Really? Yeah. Oh, she's a genius. Okay, you have to make fun of them. Like, I love that song. No, no, no. I mean, I admire anybody who can write a song like that. All right, can I gush for a second? That sounds awkward. I'm sorry. Uh, can I? Uh, do you mind if I uh, have sort of a leaking for a moment? Watch out for fish. Um, now, let me just say that, first of all, you know, the, the blah, 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 frustrated musician, blah, 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 frustrated rock star, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, though, have such admiration for people who can write pop songs like that. And, you know, and it's easy to sort of make fun of those songs, like that, like that I Don't Want to Miss a Thing song, which, frankly, I don't really like as an Aerosmith song, but it's a great composition. Uh, I really just, I would give, I would, I, I would just cut off my fingers uh, to give the ability, to have the ability to, to write that kind of a song. And writing a pop song like that is very difficult. And there was, you know, there was a time, especially in the 80s, where there was two people who wrote those songs, like, man, with, the, with just a wave of their hand. One was Diane Warren, right here, who I think also wrote, don't quote me on this, I think she also wrote I Want It That Way for the Backstreet Boys. But man, Diane Warren. Another great song. Oh, she's written everything good, and the only things she didn't write were the things that were written by a guy named Desmond Child. And Desmond Child, uh, if I could turn back time, Desmond Child wrote that. Desmond Child has written more songs. He wrote, if I could turn back time. He co-wrote like everything on Bon Jovi's "Slippery When Wet" record. You know, all like "Living on a Prayer." All that stuff is all Desmond Child. And Desmond Child and Diane Warren, there was a time when they wrote everything on the radio. Everything on the radio came from those two guys. Uh, and I mean, they just. The list of songs that those two people wrote, not together, but that they wrote or co-wrote, is endless. And uh, it, it's a real ability. And, you know, part of it is recognizing those plays on words. I know that I'm kind of doing musicology and it's only, you know, it's only Friday. But, you know, it's that it's that play on words, the I'll never get over you, getting over me. And that's one of those phrases that was sitting out there this whole time. for like, Ever since human beings learned to speak, that phrase has been sitting out there waiting for somebody to sort of think of it, and Diane Warren was the first one, and she went, wait a minute, never get over you, getting over me. Genius, bam, you wrote the song. It's like that great Simpsons joke, maybe the best joke ever on The Simpsons, uh, that was obviously just waiting there forever, and The Simpsons were the first ones, of course, to do it, where Homer is asking Lisa Simpson how she relaxes, and she says the most glorious thing, just the greatest little phrase. She's like, so, Lisa, how do you relax? And Lisa Simpson says... Oh, I don't know. 
Tai Chi or Chai Tea. I mean, it's genius. Who would ever think of that? And the thing is, that that was just waiting there to be discovered, that little joke. So so it is with this play on words that you'll never get get over you it's getting ridiculous. over me. Ridiculous. I'm looking at her uh, Wikipedia page. Diane Warren. My She's Lord. written everything on earth. She's written everything that yeah. I've ever liked. She's a genius. Uh, and so, but Tim and I were talking about this. Sarah had this I'll never get over you getting over me song on her list. And for the life of me, I can't find it, but I swear to God that there is a country version of this song that was a huge hit. I seem to remember there being a country version of I'll Never Get Over You, Get Over Me. And you know what? I cannot find it for the life. I can't find any proof that it exists. I've looked at Wikipedia. I've looked on YouTube. I've looked ever. I, I have looked everywhere. And I cannot find a country version of I'll Never Get Over You, Get Over Me. But I swear to God, one existed. Okay, it was performed by four different people. So it's Expose Jasmine Trias, MYMP, and Bellafire. See, but none of, none of those are country bands, I don't think. I don't know. Bellfire sounds like it might be. Maybe. Uh, you know, I, I swear, though, there was one of those, like, little Texas-type bands that sang, I'll never get over you getting over me. So I, it, it's, it's bugging the holy hell out of me. And it seems like it would have come out in the 90s, and Tim and I both played country music. Mm-hmm. I My last country gig was, my last country DJ gig would have been maybe either 89 or 90, one of the two. But I worked right next to a and I actually had to fill in on, a, on our sister station in Salt Lake at one point. They fired the whole air staff. They fired the whole air staff, long story, without thinking about how they were going to fix the problem. There was this funny moment. I'm I'm sidetracked here, and we'll get back to the news, so I apologize. But there was this funny moment. If you were in Salt Lake in, like, the mid-'90s, and if you were listening to my talk show uh, in the afternoon, and then if you had flipped over to our country station in the evening, you would have heard me under a slightly different name being a country DJ. About two weeks where I did that. Because the radio station fired everybody and then realized, wait a minute, we need DJs. And so then they hired all of us from the other radio stations to go on and pretend to be country DJs for like two weeks while they hired people. Anyway, so I had to play all this country music. And there, were, there was this phase in, in country where they crafted some of the best ballads you have ever heard. I mean, ballads that just were beautiful but made you want to just shoot yourself in the face. Like, uh, you know that song Little Rock by Colin Ray? Yes. Man, you want to talk about a, a song to make you crack open and just a giant bottle of Sterno and drink the whole thing? It, it has that line about how... It's a guy who's, you know, he had a problem with the bottle, as a lot of the country singers do. The guy in the song Little Rock, he's writing a letter to his wife who has left him. And his wife has left him because he was an alcoholic bastard. Uh, and so his wife leaves him, goes home to live with her parents. And so it's this guy whose wife has left him, and he's lost everything because of alcoholism. And he's right. the whole song is a letter to his wife uh, who is living with her dad. And he's trying to tell her, like, trying to win her back. And he has, and he's talking about how he's off, he's trying to get clean and he's off the bottle or whatever. And the uh, has this line: "I finally got a job selling VCRs in a Walmart." Uh, it's just the saddest thing you've ever heard. Uh, and then he, there's part of the letter where he talks about trying to call to talk to her, and her dad answers the phone because he did he did her wrong. And so her dad answers the phone and won't let him talk to his ex-wife. The dad won't let him, because the dad said, you know, because he calls looking for his wife, and her dad answers, and the dad says, Jesus may forgive, but a daddy don't forget. And then he hangs up. I mean, and I would just sit there, like, at 10 o'clock at night, just, you know, tired and bitter and depressed, and then this song would come on, and I would just sit there, and I would go, Jesus Christ Almighty, how will I make it through another two hours of listening to this music? So, anyway, all right. Um, Well, let's do a couple of these calls, then some more from Tim, and then we'll break. We'll come back. Uh, more headlines, top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is it me? Yes, it is. Hello, sir. 
I uh, I bumped into Gene Simmons when he's in town. Oh, bastard! Where were you? I work at a hotel downtown. Uh huh. And he asked me if I was a fan because I just kind of nodded his way. Right. And I said no, but I listened to Rick Emerson, who's a huge fan. And he goes. <laughs> okay, that was all oh, worth it. People are mean. That was funny. All right. Well done, sir. I appreciate that. Well played. Because I was waiting to hear, like, how's he going to do the voice? You know, and then there was no voice. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Uh, after you guys uh, did your, your team moping list, I do believe I went home and downloaded any number of songs by Boys to Men and was moping around my house, and my wife was wondering what was, what, you know, what Good was for my you. problem. Did you blame it on me? Was, was End of the Road uh, on there? Was it so hard to say goodbye yeah, to well, yesterday? <laughs> both of those. And, uh, no, I just kind of said, well, I'm a loser. But, um... I was one. I'm, I'm here for to pander for my own self-interest. It is my birthday, and it would complete my birthday completely if uh, Tim Riley could wish me a happy birthday. What is your name, sir? My name is Greg. All right, Greg. Do you feel like telling us how old you're going to be? I'm going to be 29. All right, Tim. Do you feel like giving uh, Greg a happy 29th birthday wish or whatever? Happy, happy 29th birthday, Greg. Thank you, sir. Uh, Tim Riley smiled in my direction. My life is complete. Right. Thank you, my friend. Happy birthday. Thanks, bud. By the way, we also want to wish a happy birthday to our general sales manager, Michael Fashana, uh, who, uh, oh, by the way, speaking, people have asked me for the birthday of the salesman thing. We are going to continue that next week. My fault, I lost all the entries, and Bridget had to go back electronically. She, you know, she keeps all the file. She had to go back and reprint them, and then I have to sort through them. So that we will be finishing up our birth of a salesman interviews next week. That's my fault. I lost the whole stack. I, uh, wow. Good job. I suck, and I should be destroyed. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday to you. Uh, and, and so forth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good day, sir. Uh, did you happen to catch the new Knight Rider show? Uh, you know, I've got like 100 people asking me about that, and apparently it wasn't bad. Um, I uh, Hulu'd it last night, and uh, it was all right. That's um, interesting. By the way, everybody stop. Now we're witnessing the formation of a verb here from a noun. Mm -hmm. I'm always fascinated by this. Like Googled, Photoshopped, you Hulu'd it last night. Yep. All right. And so, uh yeah. Sure, CBS will be happy to hear that. No, Hulu directs a lot of its shows uh, they get from CBS. I thought it was partners. just really. See, I thought it was just NBC. I watch all my episodes of 90210. I go to Hulu, and then it directs me right to CBS. Okay, so I can feel good about that. Mm -hmm. All right. So, and you're saying it was not bad? It it wasn't bad. I mean, it was the you know the first episode. They have to establish who's who and sure. and who are the you know who are the quote bad guys and yeah. what's the mystery behind you know the standard plot of each show. But right. I'm I'm really hoping that they. Uh, you know, maybe turn around and and do an A team for the uh, for the ages here now. Well, you know they're making that A team, they're making that A team movie too. And I just, I am hoping with everything in me. Can I ask you? Can I ask you a question, sir? Please. Um, so you know, they take all of these old properties, uh, and that's what they're called properties. You know, like uh, you know, Battlestar Galactica, or, you know, the, the Dukes of Hazard or whatever. And really, with the exception of Battlestar Galactica, and they're doing this again with Land of the Lost, Sons of Bitches. They take these great shows, and I'm not just saying that because I grew up watching them. Some of those, look, a lot of the stuff I watched was crap. There's just no getting around that. But some of it was good. And they take these shows, and when they redo them, it's like they have this thing where they just, to play it safe, they just do it as a goof. Uh, like Starsky and Hutch, you know. Apparently they're doing that with the A-Team. Apparently they're making Land of the Lost into a comedy, which pains me. I really would like somebody to take an old property like the A-Team, for example, and really make it a full-on you know, just just flat out, uh, no screwing around, fantastic action film. Really, you know, defy everybody's expectations and take it seriously. So well, I, they could they could up it and uh, do it 
you know, do a um, what's his Michael Mann type of thing. My, well, like he did with Miami Vice. And yes, do the Miami Vice thing, which you know, Miami Vice was it fantastic. Was, it was and, good. It was good. And uh, you know, it's of the caliber of Heat and, yeah. and the the bad boys and such. But um, yeah, the uh, what they did with Centurion candidate, where they. You know, they kept it serious and, and did it again. And, right. I mean, they should do, like, a French Connection totally. now or, you know, up, update these, give us uh, give us some new hairdos, you know, that type of thing, and some people that are of our generation, if you will. Of, of the youth. Did you, so what you're saying, so the Night Rider, you give it thumbs up? Um, yeah, I, I want to see it again and see what it goes into and all, right. and all that. But uh, And i got to catch yeah. up on Fringe, too, because like, everybody's watching Fringe but me. I feel left out. Yeah. Right. So, Thank you, well, sir. Hey, I um, I tried my uh, first bottle of Visa Baker. Yes. I found it at the Shell Station in uh, Hood River, Oregon. How did you find it to be, sir? Um, you know that uh, lemon juice in the bottle that, yes, that you cook with? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was like drinking a bottle of that. I muscled it, and I muscled it the flavor that uh, is a little more appealing to oh, me. Oh, I gotta but... say, here's the thing about the vigor. It doesn't pull any punches. It's got a real citrus bite to it. Mm. And I mean, and look, I'm here. No lie, Sarah can tell you. I'm drinking a bottle of it right now. Some of it is. Uh, some of those flavors are really sweet. The vigor, though, man, it, it's a, it's sort of a drink that bites back. I'll give you that. I'm, I'm gonna try a different flavor, and uh, I'll, I'll, you know, there's okay. how many more flavors. Try the uh, from, so. try the will, sir. I will try that. All Thank right. you so much. Gotta go now. All right. All right. Bye. All right. There you go. Hey. Oh my God. This just. I swear to God. Just by pure coincidence. Hold on. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, esteemed account executive Chris Tate, joining Hello, us now. Boy. Hello, sir. Hi there. How are you? Uh, Chris Tate is the account executive who handles Viso. Oh, lucky boy. Did you just hear that guy calling? No, I just walked in real quick and. Okay, I... that's freaky. Literally, as you were walking in, a guy was just calling to about. I found Viso in Hood River. Wow. So, uh, what have you brought us? Well, I've got a couple uh, cases, courtesy of Viso, to keep you guys. Uh, cases of what? You guys going? Viso. Uh, we have here vigor and will. That's what Ooh, I'm saying. I'm tossing a for the caffeine guys. Right I, I told him nothing. I told him you know like really nothing that was without caffeine. Like it goes, but it goes a lot slower. <laughs> the caffeinated stuff always goes first. Yeah. So that's two cases of Visa. You got two more coming. That's what I'm talking about. You are a so, good man. We can keep you guys going here. Thank All right. You. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, right. pass our thanks along to Alex and everybody at Visa. Will do. We see All right. Fest? Oh yeah, I'll be there. Excellent. All right. Well, how could you miss it? Starting here pretty soon. Right. I'm getting hungry. Thank you. All right. All right. There you go. Fantastic. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Esteemed account executive Chris Tate, uh, who handles the uh, Visa account. Four cases. That was awesome. That was that. That sounds like you like we made like it's theater of the mind. That ev is not. Everybody has to believe me when I say that was not a setup. We were talking about Vizo. I shook the bottle, and then he, Tate appears with four cases of it. It's like a magic genie. Like you shook it and it appeared. Uh, you know what comes out of Vizo? It's genius. That's what comes out. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. We'll have more news around the corner. Are you excited by that? I am very much so. All right, we'll get more of your calls too in the top five. Here's Jim Steinman. Speed record for most uses of the word incest during a commercial break, by the way. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. You know, ah, never mind. Uh, incest made me think of Arrested Development, and then I was going to make a joke about 
Pig Fest. We should have brought hot ham water, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. It's 503-733-2970, The Rick Emerson Show, brought to you by Timo Silk. Ladies and uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll do these uh, calls. Then we will have headlines from Tim Riley. Then we will do uh, the top five songs that spell things out. Then later on, uh, next hour, we'll bring in uh, Aaron Duran. Uh, we'll do the other top five, Glorious Bastard, uh, Bible trivia uh, and or musical trivia, depending, uh, and so forth. Let's do these calls here, and then we'll uh, continue. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Bring it on. Hey, Rick. How are you doing? What's up? Fantastic show. Um, I just uh, wanted to ask, um, you guys were just talking about Rick Ashley. Mm-hmm. I never knew who he was, um, but the last time you talked about him, maybe a couple months ago, um, I was listening to the show, heard his music, and went back and started doing a little research on right. him because I'd never heard of him before. Um, I assumed from watching um, his videos that he was a gay man. Um, am I alone in this? In assuming this? Well, just because of the imagery and the videos and things like that. I didn't, uh, you know what I mean? It just sort of like seemed like men in dolphin shorts and stuff like that. I just kind of seemed that way. <laughs> I was about to ask the imagery because I'm not really the Rick Astley uh, scholar that some are. So... No, no. Well, I did about 40 minutes of research one, one afternoon after, after the show or during the show. And so the thing was, my question is, Yes. Um, um, like I said, then I Googled him and stuff, and now he's married. He's got yeah, he's married and kids and whatnot. Exactly, right. right. And so right. the question I had is um, the marketing of him as a person in the media uh, at the time when his star was rising. Yes, sir. Um, would you say that that was perhaps a decision that was made at the record company where mm-hmm. they said, well, we've got a, something, you know, we could really maybe pe- uh, uh in other words, are you asking, let me ask you this, are you saying that in terms of the public image or persona of Rick Astley, that maybe the issue of his orientation was made vague or up to the viewer exactly. to interpret because they want to get the, get that dollar from every quarter? Well, yeah, or they, yeah, exactly. That's certainly that possible. I mean, look, I mean, the marketers do, I mean, look, let's put it this way. Uh, do you remember a couple years ago that uh, that Russian singing duo, those two girls called Tattoo? Not familiar. All right. Uh, It was was a deal. It was like a little flash in the pan. But it was this sort of prefabricated girl group. It was two girls, uh, these kind of like 16, 17-year-old girls from Russia. And it was sort of like a... I want to say like a miniature New Kids on the Block. I mean, they basically fabricated a fabricated band, but it was these two girls who sang these sort of teeny bop songs, and this Russian kind of guy put the whole thing together. And when they first came out on the market... The, the deal was, the gimmick was, that they were these hot 17-year-old Russian girls who were also a lesbian couple. And, of course, you know, it didn't take everybody long to figure out that that was not true, that that was just a thing said to get a little marketing heat. So I would say that probably in, in the course of history, there have been um, uh, gay performers who were marketed as straight, certainly probably more of those than we can count, and probably straight performers who uh, for, for whom their orientation was maybe made a little ambiguous because it does lend maybe a certain appeal to a market. I don't know. That being I'm said, always, who's to say? I'm the 80s were just kind of freaky looking anyway, though. Everybody wore dolphin shirts, and everybody had way too much vitalis in their hair. So. Right, yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Have a good day. Thank you, sir. I like the idea uh, that he spent 40 minutes researching Rick Ashley, though. Now, in the, I mean, really, in the 80s, especially in the Miami Vice era, really, everybody was wearing white pants and a teal shirt uh, and shoes with no socks, and then you had your hair slicked back. So... These things can be hard to suss out sometimes. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The Dow Jones Deaths. 
Well, it didn't dump today. It actually jumped 369 points, rallying as the government's plan to help rescue just about everyone is starting to sink in. So that's a good thing. Meanwhile, the pretty back CFO, Buddy Pizzle, is filling the crunch. New York Post reports he's selling his Maryland vacation home for $5 million. Now, his job is hanging by a thread because of all this uh, Freddie Mac stuff. So apparently he's selling a stately vacation playground on Maryland's eastern shore for $5 million. And he only bought it 18 months ago. Whatever will he do? Uh, it includes a $230,000 38-foot fountain sportfish cruiser, uh, ironically named a better decision, powered by three fuel-sucking-out Ford engines, two high-end jet skis, a house jeep, and a few assorted horses. I think, let me just say this. This is a three-story Georgian-style mansion. And this is who we're talking about? Uh, this is the fellow who runs uh, Freddie Mac. I think uh, guys who run these industries and guys who are sort of in terms of regulating Wall Street, their income ought to be directly tied to how the stock market and general economy are performing. Mm -hmm. Their income ought to be based on a formula derived by how the economy and stock market are functioning. He is the chief financial officer responsible for the company's financial controls, financial reporting, tax, capital oversight, compliance with the requirements. He also oversees the company's annual budgeting and financial planning processes. Do I speak for everybody when I say there's a guy who's in charge of financial planning and structure? You want to go to his house and see that he is living in a moderately uh, sized and moderately priced house that is taken care of, that is paid off. You want to see him driving an economy car. You want to see him wearing clothes that are functional but not overpriced. And you want to see him having $20 billion in the bank because he doesn't buy crap he doesn't need. That's what I want to see in somebody manages my money. Six bedrooms, six baths, formal dining living room, cherry panel den, game room, media room, gourmet kitchen, a new pool, hot tub, guest house, horse stable, riding ring. You know, that guy can that guy can suck on it. Who cares? F him. <laughs> I mean, really. I want to see Susie Orman wearing the same earrings every day for ten years. That make I don't care if that's a a, a shock or a gimmick or whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. That's a that is a thing that instills confidence in me. All right. All right. He's Tim Riley. Well, it looks like uh, Joe Biden is speaking with the ladies today. We value equal pay for equal work. We value a minimum wage that allows people at least, at least, to get by to the next day. We value a family, which means that we value people getting paid leave to care for their sick child, to be able to go, to be able to go to the parent-teachers meeting. That microphone has a hum in it. Mm -hmm. The tumultual U.S. economy is finally starting to affect major league sports. The NBA is laying off employees. Major League Baseball attendance has dropped four straight record years. NFL says revenue is under pressure. While the symptoms are mild so far, the latest developments say something for how far the financial woes is spread. Is it spread to the players also? Uh, no, probably not. Uh, so, yeah, so we should feel terrible for them. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 So, last Friday, I went to a UP soccer game. Yes, sir. And... I kind of chuckled because they started singing Gary Glitter. Mm -hmm. Catholic, bunch of Catholic kids singing Gary Glitter. Oh yeah, I guess I'm really the well, you know, and we had a whole discussion on the show about whether he still makes money on that because the, my whole question was what the if the NFL. I was watching uh, Oliver Stone's thing at any given Sunday, and I was thinking about this because if the NFL is still playing Rock and Roll Part Two, is Gary Glitter still getting the money? Child molester, blah blah blah. Uh, so it's sort of it's funny that, that they still use that in light of who he is, although I think we did determine that the song is now owned by someone else, which means he doesn't make the money off of it. But it does seem at some point like somebody would point out that that maybe is not the most appropriate selection at this point. But maybe it is because it's a Catholic school. Well, I suppose. maybe. So maybe it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a meta. It's a thing inside a thing. 
And I can't believe Sarah didn't point out that uh, the Timbers Army sing two different versions of Jesus Christ Superstar. How do you mean? Maybe I didn't recognize. I don't. I don't know any of the Jesus Christ Superstar. Songs. Like you mean the main theme? Well, the the uh, Alvarez Superstar. How many goals have you scored so far? Oh, really? Yeah, and, Jesus uh, Christ, superstar, huh. who in the hell do you think you are? Yeah, okay. And uh, Timber Jim, superstar, how many logs have you sawn so far? Okay, but let's point out, by the way, the little gender reversal that's happening here. Because Sarah is going to the game uh, and so knows all about the actual sport. I don't go to the game, but I hear and I'm recognizing the song from the musical. So a little, uh, little bit of a, uh, we're crossing the aisle there. All right. We have a lot of songs that are based on musicals. No, it really is true. We, you know, we've already done our top five musicals. Uh, you know, everybody in the show did top five songs for musical. I got to find a way to revisit that subject though, because that's uh, that's worth. All right, bye now. You know, that was one question too many. Richie never, never take his calls again, Richie. Richie, go to his home and teach him what needs to be taught. Uh, let's do one more, then we'll do our top five uh, on KCMD Portland. Then uh, Tim will prepare more news. Aaron will come to the studio. We'll sing. We'll dance, dance, dance. And then we'll eat pig. And then we're going to eat some pig. Except for Tim. No, I'm not I think they're barbecuing. Pig. I know this sounds stupid. I think they're barbecuing tofu. Aaron brought me a caffeinated malt liquor beverage, too. Sparks? No, they didn't have sparks. So I'm drinking tilt. Tilt. Boy, is that aptly named or what? An alcoholic beverage called Tilt. Tilt is, it's really They don't have one called Fall? <laughs> what about having called, what is this one called uh, Regret or one called Unidentified Bruise? Plummet. <laughs> mis <laughs> mysterious Scrape. All right. Uh, and so forth. Uh, so let's do one more story, then we'll do today's top five. That sounds reasonable. A window washer plucked from a scaffolding that teetered about 70 stories above a Manhattan street said... He called his mother while he was waiting to be rescued. I didn't tell her where I was. I said, happy birthday. It took firefighters about 30 minutes to rescue Sandler and his fellow worker, Tommy, from the condominium building. It was scary, I'm not going to lie. After the rescue, they went to lunch, then back to work, repaired a window broken during their ordeal. So wait a minute, so they, they were how high up? 70 stories. And did the thing, what happened? Did it snap? It broke? What, yeah. what is the deal? How did that? It was teetering, 70 stories. Oh, man. That is just so wrong. You know, and that's, I don't mean to get all political here on a Friday, but it's like when they were talking about the, um, you know, Joe Biden was talking about equal pay for equal work, which, you know, is a whole different, like, can of worms I'm not going to talk about. But that's just such a misleading phrase, too, when they talk about equal pay for equal work. Those guys are hanging 80 stories up off the side of a building, mm -hmm. uh, you know. It's like it's like the guy who goes out there and paves a road. I'm not trying to be like Johnny Man of the People or whatever, but I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that really, when they say equal pay for equal work, that that, that just doesn't mean anything. I mean, there's just, that phrase means nothing because there's all kinds of jobs that pay differently, and one job that you would think is more difficult or is perceived as being more responsible or more difficult, there really isn't. Uh, you know, see also like, you know, it's like that whole like working on the Alaskan fishing boat thing. It's just that that equal pay for equal work needs. We need to come up with a better phrase because that that doesn't really mean anything. And it has no teeth to it. That's to what uh, today's uh, well, yesterday's top. It's yesterday's top five today, my friends, right here on the Rick Emerson radio program. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Yeah. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. 
Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, um, don't you? All right, wait a minute. Hold on one second. Hold on a second here. Wait a minute. Hold on just one. All right, there we go. All right, my computer was doing a thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley with today's, yesterday's top five. And now we plunge into this. A woefully incomplete and almost certainly inaccurate listing of songs that use the ABCs to create a word, a chorus, a hook, or a lyric. These are the top five songs that spell something. And by the way, this list is fundamentally unchanged from yesterday because I thought if I change one thing, it's like pulling it, you know, it's like pulling a thread on a sweater or cleaning one space on a dirty mirror. Then suddenly everything, it just all falls apart. So I, I left it largely unchanged. I know that the list is mostly crap. You were all, like, confident earlier today. I, but there's just so many songs that I didn't get a chance to put on here. So, you know what? And, you know, and by the way, matters were not helped by Chris Paddock, who is usually my ally in these things. I was talking about top five songs where something is spelled out. Chris Paddock appearing in my office doorway every 15 seconds and making a little hand gesture and then going, U-N-I-T-Y. And, like, doing a little dance. Like a little ballerina move while he did it, too. The Queen Latifah song? Yes. You saw he did it yesterday. He appeared in the doorway. You and I see why. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, these are the top five songs that are spelling something out. Honorable mention goes to Garth Brooks with Beer Run. Now, I hate... I apologize that I put another Garth Brooks song on here. But, well, it's not really about Garth or George Jones here. It is, as we said earlier, about Diane Warren stumbling upon that great phrase, I'll never get over you getting over me. Some songwriter, because Garth didn't write this, came, uh, came across this phrase, B-double-E-double-R-U-N, and then they do the R-U-N is almost like an R-U-N kind of a thing. It's, like a, it's a great little hook. I mean, terrible song. Rick, can I ask you Great idea, yes? Do you, like, go home, like, past couple days, have you just been, like, whipping out your Garth Brooks records and just sitting there listening to them? What? No. I don't dislike Garth Brooks. This is a terrible song. In, in my assessment, this song is... I, I love many, many, many Garth Brooks songs. I like him as a performer. I like him as a marketer. You know, it, this is a bad song. But this hook is genius. Right here. There you go. I've had, a, I've had enough... Uh, I'll kill you. Shut up! I told you this. You know what? If you didn't use my suggestion and you put this on the What was your suggestion? Oh, yeah. I suck. Sorry. Like, why do you keep denying good songs for Garth Brooks? It hurts. Let's do the next one. Number five, Sinead O'Connor. Aretha Franklin, respect. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I put Sinead O'Connor. I think I rewrote the previous day's list. This list is made out of win. I didn't know they did a duet. The thing about this song is, it's not good, it's not bad, it's just a song that I've never been able to really hear fresh, you know? It seems like I was born knowing this song. This reminds me of sex, that's like sassy karaoke montages from chick movies. Totally. Bunch of uh, it, uh, white suburban housewives singing into the end of a hairbrush in a kitchen. God. Hey, you, uh, Joe Beth Williams, let's go sing to a ladle, you know, with our children. See also mermaids, by the way. Three generations of white women singing Motown songs into, like, a hairdryer in the bathroom. Stop it. I mean, I, I don't mind. You know, Aretha Franklin's great. 
But this has got to be on the list, even though it only happens for one little moment here, because everybody in the entire freaking country knows this right here. I mean, got it. Can't deny that. They use it in everything. I mean, you know, it's you know, a classic. Check this out, the toilet paper. It was funny. <laughs> it is uh, one cannot deny this song. All right, top five songs that spell something out, Tim. Number four, 50 Cent in P-I-M-P. Tim. So this is a fine song, by the way. You can give me that uh, look. No, Sir? I like this. I haven't thought about it in years. You know, but this is another little phrase that nobody ever really thought to do. And of course, no, this is actually the remix version. This has Snoop Dogg, uh, which is, it makes it like. And Snoop never saw met a song in which he couldn't. It is find infinite ways to spell out his own name. I mean, that's kind of his. Uh, you know, no disrespect. That's kind of his gimmick is spelling out his own name over and over again. So for your own sake, Garth Brooks, you didn't put P I M P in and forget anything other than Troy's B I G. What? Troy's B I G. Well, that but that's not a song. No, but there are songs, but that in which he says, does he spell out his own name? Mm-hmm. That does seem to be a big hip hop thing, spelling out your own name. And these are steel drums, right? Isn't that that instrument? I like hip-hop songs that take, or songs in general that take, like, a non-traditional effect. I think that, um, right here. Whole song where you're just spelling out names over and over again. I mean, it's so simple as to be brilliant. All right, top five songs that are spelling something out. Number three, when's the body with Hollaback Girl? You know why this is on the list. You know. Don't pretend you don't know. I sound like Chaz Palminteri in The Usual Suspect. You know. You've known this whole time. And don't pretend you're not going to sing along with it in your heads. Hi, Tim. Hello. How do you feel about this song? It's snappy. Yes, it is. Sarah? You hate me, don't you? I'm disappointed in your top five. You know... I'm going to do it. I'm... I'm taking the reins of my own hands next week. All right, Lon, you you do that. I look at what is it? I, I in the top. I in the, in the introduction it says woefully inaccurate and almost certainly uh, incomplete. What do you want from my life? That's a bitches. If number one's like a John Mayer song, back him off me, man. I might hurt you. All right, uh, these are the top five songs that spell something out. You bastards. Number two, the Bay City Rollers. Saturday night. Got a problem with this? No. I mean, come on. Richie's asking about YMCA. Here's why that's not on the list. Because no one ever says, like, you know what I mean? That's how it's usually said. In other words, YMCA is how it's said. That's how it's always delivered. I know it's the Young Men's Christian Association or whatever. But when the pronunciation of the word is itself the spelling, it doesn't get on the list. Bastards. All right, here's the thing. No one can disagree with number one. No one anywhere can disagree with number one. Top five songs that spell things out. Tim Riley. Tammy Wynette. D-I-B-O-R-C-E. Divorce. Talk about a sad song. This is the saddest song ever because they drag like a six-year-old into it. 
This is a classic, though. Our little boy is four years old and quite a little man. So we spell out the words we don't want him to understand. Like what, Tammy? Like T O Y or maybe S U R P R I S E. I think it puts the words we're hiding from him now. Tear the heart right out of me. Everybody. Our D I V O R C becomes final today. Wow. Sing. Yeah. Watch him smile. Yeah, and then the rest of the song is like they're spelling out divorce, and because he's, you know, a little kid, he hears them spelling, and so he thinks it's his birthday coming up. Oh, no. It's no one's birthday, little J O E. Yeah. It's the beginning of the S U C K. Right. One more time here. Just, just drive it home. You know, whoever wrote this really should have gotten some sort of special award. Everybody. They really don't write him like this anymore. You know, if somebody really ought to do some study about, you know, when you, like you play the song on the radio and then just seeing immediately around your city of liquor and handgun purchases go right up. So there you go. All right, fantastic. Wow. Yeah, isn't that a Who great that? song? Tammy Wynette. Okay. That's a great song. That's a really truly, but it, but that is kind of like I was saying earlier with the uh, with the Diane Warren song. Who I don't even know who wrote the I V O R C E. But whoever it was, may they, they must have been just sitting around one night, uh, just staring blankly at the ceiling, and that must have just, that is so good, you couldn't have really worked on it. That must have just popped into that songwriter's head. They must have just been going, D-I-V-O-R-C-E, and then it, I, I would imagine for whoever wrote that song, they went from the D-I-V-O-R-C-E moment to the whole song in probably 15 minutes. I would bet that song was written in less than 15 minutes. It sounds like it must have, it's so perfect, it must have just sprung, like, fully, fully formed into your head. So, all right. Well done, me. Well, thank you. 
Well, thank Y-O-U. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Uh, that is uh, Tim Riley. He'll be back at the bottom of the hour with uh, more news and so forth. Uh, Aaron Duran, if you'd like to join us here in the studio, uh, we'll talk uh, movies. We'll talk. Uh, Aaron's got his own top five that we're going to get through here. Sure. Well, top five Aaron Duran moping songs. Uh, I'm going to play Bible trivia. A glorious bastard of the week, uh, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of whatnot. Let's now welcome to the, uh, what the hell did I put this? Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson program. From geekinthecity.com, filmfeverradio.com, and of course, rename42nd.org, Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Hello, basically from everywhere on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and bam! All right, we're done. How's life? Are you reviewing something today? Um, I can, but the movie's crap. What is it? Wait, is it that? The, please tell me it's that Kate Hudson movie. Oh no, no, it's a Samuel Jackson where he's the evil cop that doesn't like his. Uh... <gasps> the neighbor one? Oh, yeah. you mean unlawful entry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was crap. Of course, of course, it's crap. <laughs> it was supposed to come out like in May, and then when it gets bumped to late September, that's yeah. not a good sign. And, and by the way, uh, you maybe have never seen this, but a movie came out in the '90s called Unlawful Entry with Ray Liotta and Mary Steenburgen. I totally remember that. Yeah, this is a PG-13 version of Unlawful Entry. Yeah, with Mace Windu. Yeah, that was a creepy movie. We're gonna call the cops. I am the cops. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's that's they use that line in the trailer. Really? Who are you gonna call? Cops? Go ahead. Uh, see. Yeah, that's just uh, that, I'm not even gonna bother. Saying. And no, no. I think in the unlawful entry, Mary Steenburgen got all uh, nude. Mm-hmm. Well, that was creepy. <clears throat> I was swallowing. Uh huh. Be so. So anyway, um, yeah. So I'm not gonna see this. No, no one. No, no, one, no, no one's no gonna see it. It's gonna tank. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take some calls, and then we'll um, we'll talk about progress on rename42nd.org. Uh, then we will do Bible and/or music trivia uh, for Jesus Christ Superstar tickets. Let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's I up? had a couple of ideas for ways you could uh, weasel into uh, doing another musical top five. Okay. All right, first one, violent musicals. Such as? Well, you Well, know, Cannibal the Musical, obviously. What else? Cannibal the Musical, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Side Story in sort of a dancey uh, sort of way. All right, all right, okay. Violent musicals. I like what we're, I like well, what we're talking about. The opera's pretty violent at some point. It is. It Camelot's is. got some violence in it. All right. And uh, two... Um, musical adaptations that uh, are taken from something that clearly was not originally meant to be a musical. Footloose. No way, not Footloose. Um, what's a good example? Little of Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Planet of the Apes, I want to get off. <laughs> really? Did you just say that? I hate you from Chimpanzee to ch- Chimpanzee or whatever, whatever the line. Wow. Are you really doing that? A little. Good for you, sir. It had uh, Troy McClure, who yes, you may remember did. from such films as Alice's <laughs> Adventures of the Windshield Glass and the Decapitation of Larry Ledfoot. All right, you're you're. Hold on a second. Hey, uh, Richie, do we have Pirate Festival tickets? Hello. Y- yes, you do. He told me you do. For the love of God. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> All right, sir. I'm going to put you on hold. Richie Bristol is going to toss you and yours some Pirate Festival tickets for that little gem. Sweet. There you go. Thank you. And talk to the guy I'm like this. Sorry, Richard, I mean to be a jerk. Uh, yeah, that's you finally made a monkey out of me. That's wonderful. Uh, Chimpan A to Chimpan Z. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, Aaron, uh, Sarah. Hello. Uh, Hello. Got a, this may sound weird, but I have fond memories of uh, Bay City Roller Saturday night because of So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yep. Uh, Mike Myers, the Scottish dad, dancing around at his underwear. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> yes, sir. That's Mike Myers. Awesome. All right, his best movie. That really is. That's his fun. And it holds up too. It holds up. It really mm-hmm. does. All right. What's up? And an idea for a top five. Yes, sir. Uh, Trey Parker songs. 
Top five Trey Parker compositions. That is gold. I'm doing that one. I think you've done that before. No, I'll do it again. But it was back in Mac, so it doesn't count. Top five Trey Parker songs. I'm going to do that one. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, best show ever. All right, wonderful. Thank you. Uh, let's you know see. we haven't played in a long time is the man song. Yeah. The my own song. Yeah, they played at the listener party, uh, this last one. They did this weird mashup of that and Eye of the Tiger. Uh, I'll do these two more calls. Then we'll uh, talk to Aaron briefly. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Bible trivia. Then Tim. Then the top five. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yeah. I actually got a couple things. Uh, the first one is uh, Gloria. Oh, by uh, Van Morrison. Gloria. GLR. Yes. The other thing is this morning I flashed on a great uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Live uh, bit. Mm-hmm. With the, the election has already passed. McCain's elected, and but he, he he's in the Oval Office, and he has died. And the only one that knows it is Sarah Palin. And she's trying to tell all the advisors, and and she's poking him and stuff. So this is like a weekend at Bernie's thing, but it's weekend at, like, McCain's. Kind of slightly Dave thing. Yes. So, wait, this is a thing that you had an idea for, or this is a thing you saw? This is a thing that I had an idea for this morning. A sketch comedy in which McCain, by the way, we wish him a long life and the best of health, but in your sketch comedy, McCain has passed, and all, the only one who knows it is Sarah Palin, and she's trying to fake that he's still alive while secretly no, running no, things. No. She's trying to let everybody know that he's dead. Oh, but they don't not wanting notice. her to be in charge yeah. is still pretending he's alive. There's, there's maybe, an, maybe a germ of something here. I'll, I'll have to take it back and workshop it, sir. Okay, all right, have a good that. have a good weekend. Bye. All right. See, yeah. it's a mat with conclusions on it. <laughs> One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hey, hi. 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 Uh, is Lara at home? If you usually only have these meltdowns when she's not in town. Is who where? Your, your wife? Is she out of town? No. What okay. meltdown am I having? You mean with the top five? <laughs> Just traditionally, we only hear you get excited when Lara's not around. That's a terrible thing to say. Oh, what I'm an, sorry. Oh, I wasn't a, trying to be terrible. Okay, first of all, what an awful observation to make. Oh. Secondly, that's an Secondly, scene one. And thirdly, what kind of meltdown are you referring to? Is this the top five? Oh, I, yes. I think it was probably... I, I evidently am totally a jerk because I caught the part where you were just really upset with Sarah for pointing out some really valuable things. Oh, that's your top five. she hitting herself in the head? <laughs> Has... Let me ask you this. Um, on a scale of one to five, I only ask Ten. out of curiosity. No, no, no. Hold on. On a scale of one to five, first, how crazy do you believe yourself to be? Oh, okay. Just curious. Two? Three and a half. Three and a half. On a scale of one to five, how crazy do you suppose your friends would generally believe you to be? Oh, one. Mm, all right. Well, okay. Well, thanks, and enjoy your weekend. Thank you, sir. There's no graceful way to end that call. Well, that was just odd. Uh, all right, so we should take a break here. Yes, huh? Should I read yes, the yes. Glorious Bastard into the, into the break? All right. I'm going to read the Glorious Bastard of the Week into the break. We'll come back. More from Aaron Duran, Tim Riley with the top five, and the Bible or music uh, trivia to see uh, Jesus Christ Superstar at the Schnitzer. Don't forget, tickets on sale today. Uh, at Ticketmaster.com uh, or at the uh, PCPA box office. All right, let me just... Uh... Greetings and salutations, Jesse Garcia from Portland. You are being addressed at this moment. 
because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including tickets to Jesus Christ Superstar at the Schnitzer December 2nd, tickets on sale at Ticketmaster.com, a pair of tickets to the Portland Pirate Festival, and... The DC Superheroes Filmation Adventures on DVD, starring DC Comics favorites The Atom, Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman. That is a lot of stuff. You've also won the wonderful knowledge that for at least this week, you are a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. That's why they exist, after all. Thank you for listening, Jesse Garcia from Portland. You are the glorious bastard of the week. Sign up at 970.am back after this. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along today. Live it! Live it! 503-733-2970. All right. Uh, Tim Riley joining us in just a few moments with uh, headlines and so forth. Shall we do our little, uh, shall we do Bible trivia here, Sarah Dillon? Sure, sure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now going to take caller number five right now. You will have your option. You can either do trivia from a musical or trivia from the Bible. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 970. Uh, we will play uh, Bible or music trivia. If you're shot at winning a ticket to see Jesus Christ uh, Superstar, which is going to be happening at the uh, that's going to be happening at the Schnitzer in December. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com uh, and so forth and whatnot. So we're going to let the uh, we're going to let the, uh, the delay and the whatever. In the meantime, we'll talk to our good friend Siegfried calling from Italy. Oh. Hello, Siegfried. Hey, 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 Rick, how you doing? Hey, well, um, yeah. Well, you're in Italy. I, I was. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm just uh, kind of there. But um, I wanted to call you to uh, let everybody know about the great Grand House Film Festival this weekend at the Hollywood Theater. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, stop, stop, stop. You're in Italy, what? and you've taken the time to call here. Don't get me wrong, it's great, but this is why this is why we love you. You are in Italy, and you have taken time to call here to mention the Grand House Film Festival at the Hollywood Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm actually, I'm such a dork. I'm so pathetic that I'm in the square where, like, Hudson Hawk was filmed. I actually went there. I, like, trying to, like, I watched the film a million times and trying to find out exactly where the square was. That is lame. And now some crazy, bad, uh, overacting mime is running around with, uh, I don't know, just doing weird stuff yeah. with bad makeup and yelling at tourists and groups and uh, all that, so... Yeah, but I just want to pin the Grindhouse, uh, Grindhouse Film Festival, 7.45, this Saturday at the Hollywood Theater. It is spectacular. It is Shogun Assassin, which is the redo of Lone Wolf and Cub. Lone Wolf and Cub was like an eight-hour, um, like, kind of miniseries for, uh, for Japan, and uh, they kind of, what they did was they cut it up, but they cut it up. This was like, they cut it up so well that it was just such a kick-ass movie, and it's two hours long. And it's this dude who's a he's a Shogun assassin, and he runs around with his little baby. And it was kind of the um, started out the whole Road to Perdition. Um, that, well, I mean, the Road to Perdition was based off Lone Wolf and Cub mm-hmm. slash Shogun assassin. So, if that made any sense whatsoever, because I hate hate talking on the phone. So this is so let's just, so this is Shogun Assassin Hollywood Theater uh, this Saturday seven forty five. 
That is correct. Right. Yeah. Siegfried, can I say that you are, you really, and I mean this with all honesty, you are one of our favorite people, and this phone call is why. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's I think just, I speak uh, for everybody. So, all right. Well, go go enjoy the miming. Mime is money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Italy's great. It's just there's a lot of hairy women around. Uh, they're very good looking. But the one thing I saw which was really amazing. I got to tell. I yes. was at like the supermarket today, and where they had the tabloids, they had uh, shaving. Uh, implements instead. Razors. So, like that was the impulse buy was the razor <laughs> for 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 women. So yeah. excellent. All right. Women. Enjoy your trip. Travel All safe, right. my friend. Uh, All right. Thank you. All right. Later. Okay. Wow. He's you know, kind of half drunk. He's uh, well, half half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a true believer. I gotta say, as I always say, he knows more about movies than anybody I have ever known in my life. And that call, you know, we don't. Did I? Uh, I'm going to say, we know some good people. We really do. So, God bless him. All right, uh, Richie, where am I going here? Caller, uh, let's see, this is right. All right, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Are you ready, Weddy? Are you ready to play for tickets to Jesus Christ Superstar? I am Weddy. All right, thank you. Uh, okay, so because you are caller five, you get your option. Do you want to have uh, trivia from a musical, trivia from the Bible? Bible. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me, uh, am I up over there? All right. All right, here you go, sir. Uh, here is your Bible trivia question. You're playing for a pair of tickets to see Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, let me see. Let me make sure. Let me read this off the page so I make sure that I uh, make sure that I got it right over here. And all right. According to the Book of Genesis, Cain and Abel were the first and second sons of Adam and Eve. In all versions of the Scripture, Cain commits the first murder by killing his brother Abel. Can you give? A accurate description, maybe a vague but accurate description. Can you summarize the reason why Cain killed Abel? Because uh, Abel's uh, sacrifices or whatever you call it, tribute to God was uh, more recognized than Cain's. Is that the idea? That is absolutely correct. Can I say you're blowing my mind, sir? I really didn't expect you to get that. Oh, uh, yeah, this is Jesse, man. Um... I had to go to Christian school, so. Oh, so, so you know what I'm talking about. See, that I went to Christian school nine years, Catholic school. That's why. So, uh, and then, of course, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, the warring brothers in the book of Genesis, were then Cain and Abel, the warring brothers who were the host in the comic House of Mystery from DC Comics. That just got re-released. <laughs> really? Yep. There's yeah. a new series of House of Mystery. Yep. So, no, that is absolutely correct. And, in fact, I think the deal is that Abel gave a sacrifice of meat uh, he killed animals. And, and vegetables was the other one. Cain gave vegetables, which was less of a sacrifice, and the Lord said, uh, well done, Abel. Cain, not so much. And then Cain killed him. So congratulations. I am really impressed. Congratulations, my friend. Why, thank you, sir. I'm going to put you on hold. Richie's going to get your information. You're going to see Jesus Christ Superstar. Hang on, sir. Yeehaw! All right, there you, you know, go. <laughs> there are some Bible scholars wow. that don't feel that the murder was the sin. It was that Cain lied to God about the killing. Yeah, and he said, well, and, uh, and, and God said, hey, uh, weren't there two of you? No. Where? No, 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 there's a big guy. He was, where'd he go? And then Cain said the immortal line, How am I to know, my Lord? Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord did set a mark upon Cain and warned anyone. Well, I can, I can go on and on. That's retards. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So Rupert Murdoch says the financial crisis America faces today began in the early 1990s. This started 15 years ago with Barney Frank and people pushing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to make a lot of bad loans until they finally had $11 billion out there. It became a racket. 
Barack Obama's not the man for the presidency. They're going to give us a lot of inflation. They're going to ruin our relationships with the rest of the world. And they're going to make people frightened to add to employment. Now, you're going to find companies leaving this country. His policy is really very, very naive, old-fashioned 1960s. Wait, is that Rupert Murdoch? Yes, it is. I realize now I don't think I've ever heard him speak before. No. He doesn't sound anything like I thought he would sound. No, he doesn't. I thought he would sound like Wayne Gale from Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. He says the past 15 years, the mortgage and lending business were irresponsible. There was a lot of irresponsible lending, but also a lot of irresponsible borrowing. People got to be responsible for themselves. Then along came the oil squeeze on families. People couldn't make their payments on their mortgages, which were too high. There had to be a crash. The U.S. must not replicate Europe's economic view. Too much regulations, if they're unwise, definitely limit business. We've seen it in Europe. Europe is you know, layers of government everywhere, and what have we got? Zero growth. We're a much more open, innovative, adaptive sort of society here, and we want to keep it that way. So if it prevails, Mad Men would become the first show from a cable network other than HBO to claim the prestigious Best Drama title, mark a turning point for the 60-year-old Emmy competition and primetime television itself. But HBO remains a major Emmy force, with its portrait of John Adams poised to tire surpass a record 11 wins for a miniseries. Broadcast TV, meanwhile, still dominates sitcom territory, thanks to NBC's show 30 Rock. So the Emmys are on this weekend. All right, so that's going to be Sunday, hosted by uh, Kathy Griffin. Griffith? Griffith? Griffin? Griffith. Griffin. Uh, I never know. Is it Griffin? We've yeah, asked this question on the show a hundred times, Griffin, we never remember. Griffin, Griffin. And, and Don Rickles. All right. Griffin like the creature. Yeah. Like the uh, the thing that has the body of a thing and then the head of something else. Like the late Merv. Like the Merv. All, right. uh, all right. Are you done with the news, Tim Riley? I am. Are you prepared to do the top five? Didn't we already do that? Yes, we did, but that was yesterday's top five. This is today's top five. Okay. All right. Uh, Aaron, are you still writing it out? I, I got it. It's a go- run, roll. Okay. Here we go. Five, four, we'll fix it in post. Three. All right, let's Five. shoot this F up. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I apologize for my terrible pen. God damn, it's cold. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Speaking of Martin Landau and uh, Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood, which, first of all, one question, then a comment, then the top five. Do we here in this room, do we feel that Ed Wood is a perfect film? Yes. I can't think of anything wrong with that film. No. I mean, I'm not saying everybody has to like it, but I'm saying in terms of how the film is put together, I can't, you know, because even the, even the best film, you kind of look at it and you go, yeah, but that one scene or that one line or, oh, there's that one guy that just can't act. Yeah. In Ed Wood, I think it's perfect. I can't think of a single thing I would change in Ed Wood. I think it's a perfect film. No, it is. All right. And it's easily Burton's best work he's ever done. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's not the definitive uh, Tim Burton film. That probably is Edward Scissorhands, but I think it's probably his best yeah. film. Uh, also, when Laura and I went to the State Fair to see Weird Al, you know what we did? We totally went to the little, like, the little spook, spook house. house, the little haunted house thing. And, you know, I haven't gone to one of those since I was like eight, but it was really just because I wanted to have the uh, the Ed Wood moment. You know, when Oaks Park converted their their haunted house to the Lewis and Clark adventure ride? Right. Like, forget it. Yeah. All right, then. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, would you like to give a brief introduction to this top five? Uh, inspired by Sarah X. Dillon and Rick Emerson's uh, top five songs to mope with when you're a teenager. Uh, it forced me to go down memory lane and revisit all the lame songs that I would sit in the room and cry and write terrible vampire poetry to. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, uh, did you, sit there and, did you sit there and write things like, these humans with their feelings. 
They don't. They don't know what I know. When I walk the immortal dark nights. Jesus. Yeah. Sitting there, because when you're a teenager, letting boy, the rose dry on my desk. When you are a, a teenage boy or girl of a certain stripe, though, you totally look in the mirror and you see Lestat. Like, yeah, that's totally. <laughs> you think like you're him. So exactly. All yeah. right, let's uh, let's roll this. So uh, let's see. Without a mention, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's all crudely written. Uh, Without a mention is unanswered prayers. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm that, that, no, 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 please. No, I'm sorry. Force of habit. I'm all, I'm so used to that being on CD. That's totally. That's my bad. Sorry. Right. People say no, no, no. That's totally my fault. Uh, my fault. I was so used to like Scott Daly bringing it in on CD. Well, that's <clears throat> or like someone trying to hurriedly plug in an iPod moments before. <laughs> Garth yes, Brooks again? Yeah, yeah, I know. God. At a hometown. I had, I, had I had like no this song. With Garth Brooks uh, before, but I got, this is a great song, though. I gotta say, this is kind of my my meta song because when I would mope in my dreams, I was already married, and then seeing the girl that broke my heart, I was showing her Wait, that I had done better. So you were actually not just fantasizing a girl; you were actually fantasizing to getting with her, marrying her, and then the inevitable divorce. No, no, no. This is about a guy who goes back to the high school and seeing his sweetheart, the one that got away. Yeah. Right. Oh, I see. So you're, this is you in the future in your fantasy when you're married to somebody else. Right. That's messed up. Well, this is a great song. I said I saw Barry Manilow sing this at the Gorge. This wish I wish back then. I'd never ask for anything again. This is one of those songs that really put him on on top, though. Huge hit. Yeah. Does this have fences or no fences or mm. I think so. I have seen him in concert. Uh, you know, he, he puts on an amazing really, show. That Rope in the Wind tour, that's uh, what I thought. Yeah, that's one of the best produced shows ever, yeah. I've ever seen. Uh, Aaron Durant's top five teenage moping songs, Tim Riley. Number five, Hurt. Of course. Mm-hmm. Hurt myself I, I, Yeah, it's... It's, it's only got one, and I, I got it. Let's check it. I don't necessarily think that Johnny Cash Forevermore owns this song. Johnny Cash version is great. I think they're so different. Yeah. That they're two separate songs to me. This probably would have had a greater influence on my life had it come out earlier, because this came out in 94, so yeah. the year I graduated, it came out. This, The Downward Spiral, is one of the best records, front to back, Ever. I mean, in terms of production especially, this is one of my, the best produced records I've ever heard. Yeah. You listen to, with your headphones to this album, you can listen to this album over and over and over again with your headphones on it every time you'll hear something you'd ever noticed before. It's an amazing album. Okay, so I will tell you, uh, when uh, even now as a grown man, 35 years old, uh, you go to those moods where it's not it's not like a depressed mood, but it's one of those like F everybody, yeah. stupid world moods. This is still today one of my go-to albums when I'm in the everybody in this world is effed. This is one of my go-to records for that mood. Yeah. Yeah, this record is almost flawless. I don't really care for the song Reptile that much, but other than that, this album is it's pretty close to a, an instant classic. This is a song that I would stick my hand over a candle flame and such a retard. I want to feel the pain in my heart on my skin. (laughs) All right, then. These are Aaron Durant's, wow, top five moping songs from his teenage years. Tim Riley. Number four, Look Away. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I love this song. (laughs) My wife and I were just singing this in the car the other day. 
And then we were embarrassed. <sighs> Bring it, Sharon. I'm happy for you. I'm really happy for you. Found someone else. You hear that, April? I still remember. That was her. I guess it's over. Over, over, Sharon. Oh. It's really over, baby. Whoa. And from what you said. And my, um, we're gone. I just got my reminder for six months. Yeah. It'll never be the way it used to be. So it's just gonna be the guy. Listen, he's feeling it there. I'm the only one singing. Look away, baby, look away. Tim Riley. I'm not familiar with the song. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Look away, baby, look away. Don't look at me. I don't want you seeing me this way. Dumb. This is the greatest song ever. Or, uh, Aaron Duran. <laughs> I have a little post-singing shame now. Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Duran's top five teenage mope songs. Don't let him take heart away. Don't let him take your heart away. Yeah, I'm sorry. Who is, I don't know this. Bill song. Collins, baby. Uh, I, I mean, know this. Bill Collins. I don't think I. I don't think I'm familiar with this song. Sadly, I could have filled this entire list with Genesis and Phil Collins songs. What album is this from? Uh, the one after Face Value. So that uh, would have been no jacket required. Yeah. You were lonely and you needed a friend. And he was there at the right time with the right smile. Just to show you. What girl is this about, Aaron? This one's about Victoria. Were you the guy that all the that you were in love with all the girls and they'd always come to you about other guys? Totally. I was the best. I was the friend. You're the friend. Yeah, I was. I don't know. It's like I slept with him, and now I feel all conflicted. And you're like, that's great. That's wonderful. How can I help? Yeah, what can I do for it? Yeah, keep crying on my shoulder. That's fine. <laughs> I was the friend that, even in high school, when the girls would have sleepovers, the parents didn't mind if I stayed the night, because it's just Aaron. <laughs> that's the best, uh, worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the great thing about these lists is that really no two of them except for The Cure have been the same. They're all very different. Uh, so Tim will do his on Wednesday. Chris Paddock's going to do his on Tuesday. All right. Aaron Durant. foolish enough to break Tim's heart? I'm just saying, well, no, it's, it's like the moping. Yeah, no, yeah. You know, the moping comes from all different quarters. It's not really even about the who. It's about the... Um, it's about, like, how every genre of music has a subgenre whose sole purpose is to, like, simultaneously say, I feel your pain, and then yep, suck the pain away and excise it. No, this feels kind of good. I should have done this years ago. Yeah. But, and, oh, and but to your question, and then we got to move on. To your question, though, yeah. it's even if nobody has, it's always the perceived, you know, because often they don't even know you exist. <laughs> uh, Aaron Durant's Top 5 Teenage Mope Songs. Number two, Sadness, part one. Could you be more of a drama nerd? <laughs> no, I couldn't. I still have this. I still play it. I love this album. I love album. this song. Mm. This really needs this to be... This is where I snuck my mom's wine and just hid in my room and 
wore a cloak. This needs to be underneath that Robert Downey fake trailer before Tropic Thunder. It totally. Oh, and in fact, it is. I, they did. I it think is. it actually yeah. is. It is. Yeah. I remember we all were thinking it was really hot when we found out that the girls saying, give me pain. We're all like, that's so sexy. That's mea culpa. Yeah, and then it's just, you know, and you realize you're lame. <laughs> this song has like a pan flute or something on it, too, doesn't it? I like it when the woman begins to sing because she's all breathy. She looks like she's talking. Okay, we have to stop. Yeah, Aaron Durant's top five teenage lovelorn angst songs. Number one, nothing else matters. This is uh, Metallica. Yep. Metallica's big crossover ballad. Yeah. <sighs> you know, because if Hetfield can cry, we can all cry, Aaron. If Metallica can feel my 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 pain. Come back and wrap things up after this. Ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world, Tim Riley. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. Ah, I thought there was a pulse there. Yeah, I thinking of the radio edit. We'll return after this. Don't go anywhere. Singing Chicago songs during the break. Did Chicago do that song also? Chicago, uh, well, I think it was Peter Cetera, yeah. who was the singer for Chicago. Get all defensive. Yeah, yeah. That uh, was a song that was playing during my first kiss. Well, now I don't even know. So, so Look Away is Chicago. Yes. I think uh, The Glory of Love, Power of Love, whatever it is. Pa- uh, Glory of Love. That yeah. is Peter Cetera from Chicago, but I don't know that it was a Chicago song. That might have been. Might have been a solo joint. It is a Pita Sakara song. And that's Karate Kid too, right? Which is superior to Karate Kid. It, it totally is. No, I'm yes! glad. Yes. Which is superior? Oh. To no, I'm glad you agree with me. No, on yeah, that. I get almost get into fights with Court and Fatboy over it. No, no, no. It's it's the Godfather too of Karate it's Kid. Exactly. Movies. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. You glad it's Friday? You don't have to be <sighs> in the room with us. My like four minutes away. Mm-hmm. You get to you get to be away from us soon. No, no, remember, it's all community, oh, it's right. family bonding out back. Pig fest. Rename 42nd.org, what gives? Uh, things are going very well. Um, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be organizing an actual petition drive event. Because as it stands right now, we just have it in various local, you know, pop culture stores, you know, comic book stores, game shops. Uh, but even with them just kind of sitting there, we've already racked up about 400 signatures, which is very cool. So things are going very well on Rename 42nd. Excellent. No matter how hard certain television stations try to get things wrong. Now they're... Uh, never mind. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey, Rick. I just have three um, super brief things for you really quickly. Yes. Um, first, do you remember Team Knight Rider? I think it was produced by Sam Raimi, and it was on on Saturday afternoons either on Channel 12 or Channel 49, and there were like five members of Team yes. Knight Rider. We, we actually had a discussion about this the other day because Randy, our listener Randy in Vegas had asked us about that, and we had a little bit of discussion. Not a whole lot of information about that, but yeah, you, you were not imagining it. It did exist. No, but, oh, I knew it existed. Yes. I remember watching it. I just yeah. wasn't sure if you remembered it. Second thing was um, Susie Orman. I know how we are all uh, equal. Excuse me, equal opportunity haters here. Yeah. And we uh, accept rumor and speculation to be the God's honest truth. Right. So I used to work with a guy. No. And we're done. Why and would you? Why? Are you afraid Susie what? would smite you? Because. She, 
Did you hear what you were starting to say? No. No. Yeah, I did. Oh. Uh, you know, sorry, don't mean to be snarky. Right, let's pick up somebody. Else. That's the uh, uh, that's the sort of thing we're not going to allow on the air. I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't mean to be a jerk about it. Sorry about that. I uh. <laughs> and of course, there it's on the other line because the guy's listening to the radio. And okay. Well, who's on the other line? That's great. That's wonderful. Well, we'll just we'll just end there. All right. Look away, baby. <laughs> Look away. <laughs> ah, retards. All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondent. Uh, who are we there? We want to thank Cena Radio Correspondent Bob Costantini. We also want to thank um, Steve Kastenbaum, Aaron Geek in the City Duran, and so forth. Uh, don't forget, Musicology is coming uh, Sunday night, 7 to, uh, 7 to 9, ladies and gentlemen. Rick Emerson, show produced today, and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Brownlee, the phone's Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, and of course, CBS Radio Portland, Mark and Guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. Like us next, Michael Mayer's show at 7, Musicology Sunday at 7. See y'all uh, Monday at 10. Have a good weekend. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.